Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. And this is Toy Pet Chance. We're going to talk all things movies, television, streaming, all that good stuff. And this week is our final episode of our Denis Deep, Deep Dive, in which we look at his most recent film to date, because Dune, Dune isn't out yet, Blade Runner 2049, which is actually maybe our most intricate review when you take into account everything we have to look at and not just the movie itself. This is, this is, this is an ordeal. But I mean that in a good way. For sure. Uh, before that, we have our usual to talk about, first of which is our recap of this week of last week in the NFL, and look forward to next week in the NFL, because, yeah, last week was maybe the most insane week of football we've had this season, and what sucks is I had to watch both the most of the games on the plane. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I watched, the only one, actually, I do take that back, I watched the uh, the Miami game. Miami Tampa game in the hotel because oh, they're in Florida, obviously. So that game was obviously accessible. Ouch! Ouch! Yeah, my, yeah, Miami got back. Yeah, Miami got <laughs> spanked like hard. Yeah, they uh, not 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 good. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of shit happened. I mean, as I predicted, Rams beat the Seahawks not by a super wide margin, but it happened. God bless the Steelers; they won a game. Oh, thank! <laughs> Congratulations to the team, and I think I think we can definitely say Denver has been exposed. Because like, they, they yeah they went, they I mean, went three yeah they definitely were exposed a little bit yeah they went three and zero against teams who haven't won a game and they play some play some competent competition and yeah they're folding then they're folding pretty hard this and it, it, it hasn't been said very much but Vic Fangio is probably on the hot seat for you know losing his job this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be. be surprised. As you should be. Uh, all the way in, all the way in England, we had the Jets versus the Falcons because, yeah, if you want to expand the NFL audience, this is what you send overseas. Uh, yeah, two uh, lackluster teams. Yeah. yeah, this seems it's a good idea, but yeah, like what? Like send your superstar, send Tom Brady, <laughs> send Aaron Rodgers, send Mahomes, send somebody else to England. If you want this to really like expand, don't send don't send the Jets. Yeah, but, yeah, that's not a good look. Yeah, you know, good for good for Kyle Pitts for finally becoming an elite for finally becoming the elite talent he was promised to be. The, the, the most insane game of the week was easily the Packers versus the Bengals because this shouldn't have been a game. This really shouldn't have been a game. Where where did, where did the faults? Yeah, they were come trying from? really hard though. Yeah, where did the faults come from in this? Kicking, oh my God! Kicking. I think. Oh, let me let me pull, let me pull up the stat the stats yeah, on. Yeah, not this. good. Let me, pull, let me pull up the stats on this. I think they. I think they said in the last two minutes there was like five missed field goals. Yeah, five, between the two teams, five missed field goals. And I think that was the last two minutes of the game, which obviously you want to close out the game. That's not the way to do it. When you have like when you have Crosby, who's always been a pretty consistent kicker. Yeah, Mason Crosby yeah. missed three field goals, one extra point. Then you have then you have the yeah, that's crazy. The the, the Bengals, their kicker, two missed field goals, and he, but he hit but he hit both extra points. Yeah, this shouldn't have been a game, Jeez. but because of all the missed kicks, they went into overtime. 
and continued to miss kicks until somebody finally bent in the Packers. Until Crosby finally said enough is enough and the Packers win. Yeah. On the other side, though, you have to give a big congratulations to Minnesota. Why? Because, uh, and also a big, you know, uh, buy, buy a fifth, five a fifth for a Detroit Lions fan. Why? Because they lost to Minnesota on a game-winning field goal. That never happens. Usually when the Vikings have to kick yeah. to win a game, it's over. Like, they've lost. They can never kick to win a game. Yet this happened because the football gods, I guess, just hate the Lions for some reason. But it's amazing how close the Lions have played their games, though. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it, re- it really is. Um, uh, so, yeah, Saints beat the football team. The Eagles beat the Panthers in a surprise twist. And the Panthers also, not really surprising. The best of the team that started really strong. But Dar- Darnold went back to Jets for him. He did not look good. Yeah. Yeah, 21 for 37 for 177 yards and three picks. Fucking outstanding stuff. Yeah, it's not gonna get, not gonna get it done. Uh, the, uh, the Titans straight up upended the Jags, fit, fitting after they just lost the Jets pri- the week prior. Uh, Crazy. Pa- Patriots beat the Texans, but not, but not by nearly as much as we thought they would. No, it was a lot closer than we both thought. Yeah. Uh, Patriot, yeah, Patriots uh, only won by three against the Texans. Uh, Bears yeah. upended the Raiders, but that's not that's not the story of the Raiders this week. Oh, a little bit, little little. Uh, there's uh, bigger elephants in the room. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that after after, after everything else. Uh, in probably the biggest offensive shootout we've seen this year, uh, a, t- a grand total of 89 points were put up in the in the Browns versus Chargers game, uh, with, with, the, with the Chargers taking the win, which. As a division, I'm, I'm happy about. Uh, man, your boys cannot catch a break. Vortinator uh, versus they, cards. They, they, they're atrocious. Yeah. Now mail it in. What it's, what's interesting is the fact that they won via like, they won by way of team defense, which the Cardinals almost never do nowadays. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, with Trey Lance's first NFL start. Um, I don't know. Just it seemed like lackluster. Yeah, kind of what you said. Arizona's defense came to play. It seems that that has never been a factor in any of their games. So it's kind of uh, it's hard to lose games like that because you find yourself three games behind now already in the division. So uh, I mean, Grant, we have an extra week now because they added 17 games. But um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, and I, the Trey Lance got hurt too, so that doesn't really help things out. Kittle's out for a couple weeks because of uh, his. Uh, calf injury or something like that so yeah we're uh, we're in some trouble as, as, as always just bring, bring out the stretch here the 49ers are hurt again how do you not fire the uh, strength and conditioning coaches for this team i that, that entire department needs to be just like thoroughly wiped clean yeah find people off the street to work with these guys because that's pretty much going to be a better option than the people that we have there now running the show yeah, uh, the the Bills managed to just straight up destroy the Chiefs. I do not have faith in the Chiefs in the Chiefs this year. I really don't. No, Chiefs don't. Chiefs are very inconsistent. Um, 
they don't look like a, a Super Bowl contending team in the AFC at least. Yeah, there's a, there's a team that two years ago was like the like they're looking to be the new powerhouse of the NFL, and then the Buccaneers happened, and then now they're the new powerhouse of the NFL. Thanks, Tom Brady. Uh, but yeah, no, this is, uh, beat, lost the Bills by a margin of 18 points, mostly because their defense can't stop shit. Really, no, they can't. Like literally, probably should work on that. And last game of the, of the is this, this this was a, this is a fun one, uh, the Colts versus the Ravens. Now the Colts had this game pretty handedly. I think at one point they had a nearly a ninety six percent chance of winning it, and that was when they were for, at one point they were up nineteen points. And yeah, at the thank you fantasy football at the two with two four left in the fourth they had a they had a a. Uh, with two four left in the fourth, they had a ninety six point one percent chance of winning, but then <laughs> enter Lamar Jackson, just puts the team on his back and carries them to a win in overtime. And carried me to a win in fantasy football. Thank you much. Yeah, and yeah, uh, also, Ravens take the win, but man, you you ba- you barely got away with it. You barely escaped with this one. Yeah, it's a man. Uh, I don't know who you feel worse for—the Colts by giving up that uh, that lead, letting it slip through the fingers, or uh, Baltimore having to play catch up to the Colts. Uh, I don't know. You, you, you feel worse for you feel worse for the Colts, but also you you could have made some points with, with uh, yeah, if, probably. You could have could have made some points with that nerd Rodrigo made some kicks earlier in the game. Yeah. Uh, what also, a, what, a, what a doofus looking guy. He he looks he's he's adorable. I love Rodrigo. He looks like a dork. He does, but that's that, that's that's what I like about him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Rod, yeah, Rodrigo for the day. Two uh two missed field goals and a missed extra point. Probably would have come in handy, so you wouldn't go into overtime. Uh, but yeah, biggest story yeah. wasn't even on the field. This was off the field. Mainly with Raiders coach John Gruden. Uh, some emails came out between him and it was an exec for the Red. It was an exec for the Red. Was it a coach or was it, or was it an exec? I think it was a coach. I think it was an exec or, exact. Exec or coach for the Redskins. At Somebody the for the Redskins. I think it was exec. I'm sorry. The, fo- the football team, the Redskins at the, at the time. But yeah. I'm sorry. The the woofed. <laughs> the woofed. The woofed. The woofed. Uh, it was an email that came out, and there was a, I think it was a racial slur. It said, it said like, it said like somebody had. Ti- yeah, somebody had lips like a Michelin tires <laughs> like or something Michelin, like that. Michelin tires, and it's like, damn, okay. Uh, but then, yeah, like, and uh, then uh, a right. whole bunch more came out calling out uh, the first only gay player, Michael Sam, calling out women referees. Like, they, he gunned for everybody. Everybody. <laughs> To which, like, yeah, yeah with where it's like, yeah, no, nah, we, we can't keep in mind. These were old emails, but regardless, when you, when you have Carl Nassib, who was one of, who is, like, who came out this year as, as openly gay, and you had yeah. that publicly, like, yeah, no, probably not a good guy to have in the locker room. He was, uh, Gruden resigned later that day. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. He saw the writings on the wall and was like, yeah. I think uh, my job here, my my time here is done. I mean, this is clear a situation of where Mark Davis came to me and said, "Okay, you can you can resign or we, and keep a little bit of any left, or we can fire you. You pick." And he decided yeah. to resign. Yeah, I mean, we yeah yeah. yeah. And subsequently after that, he was also removed from the from the Tampa Bay 
Buccaneers ring of honor, which is crazy because he yeah. gave them their first Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, and he was, I mean, obviously, if you were, like, I can remember back to, he's definitely the heart and soul of that team, like, just the way that he coached, fired up the, the team in general, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, shit happens, and when you, you, you have to realize and step back and realize that what you say, especially when you put it out there, um, it always finds a way to come back at you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, why would you even put this in emails? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like it's crazy. It's super crazy, especially when there's a there's a paper trail to that, you know. My question is: these emails are ten years old, but like, yeah. like why are these coming out now? Who released? And who those? was looking through them? Yeah, that, like yeah. seriously, like it has yeah, to that, be that's, somebody, it makes you makes you wonder. It has to be somebody who would benefit from Gruden. Who who would benefit the most from Gruden being gone? It's got to be somebody who wants his job. But I mean, it's it, first off. If, if anything, though, think about it. Gruden signed a ten-year deal. Yeah, he's only four years into that ten-year deal, so there's a, they're going to probably end up, I imagine, compensating him out or buy out his contract. Um, and uh, yeah, and like what you said, I mean, who really benefits from that job though? It's like it's not like a uh, a prestigious job like it once was. You know what I mean? Like if you look at the Raiders for the last like twenty years, it, it's it's been up and down touch and go with that whole franchise you know what i mean so i don't know whoever did this has to know or that be or know somebody who wants that job who was never going to get it because they were so stubborn with gruden which i was look that was the only way they're gonna get out of a terrible contract i never i don't like modern day gruden i think i think he is i don't think he's equipped equipped to you know be a champion in a modern nfl setting like this is the worth of nine it's not gonna work today yeah, I mean, he's a little bit more of the, of the old school way of thought, and I don't think that's going to transition over to the new age of football. You know what I mean? Um, I did like him as a commentator. Which that's not, that's not that uh, for my football one, I think he did it with uh, Tariqa, if I'm not mistaken, or Sunday night or Monday yeah, night, Sunday, one or the other. Yeah, that's not happening. I think now. Monday night. No, I don't think he's going to get that big either. Go, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah he's uh, he's going to be flipping burgers and edit out or something. Man, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Way to go, John. Congratulations. Uh, uh, next, uh, moving on to next week, looking ahead. Thursday, tonight, we have the Bucks versus the Eagles. Tom Brady returning to the team that made him look like a little bitch in, in the Super Bowl for years ago. Yeah, but, uh, no. but they, they won that Super Bowl. Oh, you're talking about the second Super Bowl. Sorry. The second, second go around. Round of the uh, Philly. Remember, they beat Donovan McNabb and the Eagles. Pats did. Did they? Oh, okay, fine. Second, second that was part. Two. Yeah, this was part two. That's yeah. Right. No, but no, but no big dick Nick to save Philadelphia this time. I got the Bucks are probably gonna win this pretty handedly. I I got I got the Bucks. Um, good news, the Niners can't lose because we have a bye. So ha 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 ha. Can't lose and nobody can get hurt. Although somebody will try. Oh, somebody will somebody will slip and fall in their hotel room or some shit. I'm sure. <laughs> so somebody will break their finger flipping the injury count calendar. Oh, you never know. Yeah, probably. Uh, Pittsburgh versus the Seahawks. I mean, you know me. You, know, I'm gonna go with the Steelers. But also, I do. Th- I'm, this isn't just blind loyalty. I do think they can legitimately be, legitimately beat the Seahawks. Why? First of all, no Russell Wilson. The only man keeping that team afloat is out with a finger injury for the next few weeks. Yeah, that's uh, that's the only ring. Uh, that's the only reason I think Pittsburgh has a, a not, small chance of winning that, that is because Russell Wilson is not there. Not to mention that defense, like it was like we said recent, in recent years, defense is, is bad. Pretty, yeah. is pretty horrid. 
So I will go. I, I do think the game will be a lot closer, though, than you probably think. I think I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be close, but I definitely got Pittsburgh going into this um, going into this one. I mean, it has no matter what, but I think they especially are going to win, considering that they that that uh, <laughs> Seahawks lost their best player. Uh, Dolphins yeah, I'll, versus I'll Pittsburgh. Think think one of these teams was a playoff contender last year. Now it's Dolphins versus the Jags. Uh, the Dolphins should win this. Uh, they should. I I think it would be beneficial if Tua didn't get hurt and was still playing because this is the perfect team for Tua to come in and beat and beat up on for for an hour or for for, for a few yeah. hours. But uh, I, even though it's Jacoby Brissett, I'm still going with the Dolphins because uh, the Jags are still are they've been terrible. They are still terrible, and they have the, last week there was their 20th consecutive loss. I think that ties a league record. If they lose this game, they're gonna they're gonna they're going to uh, beat the league record for most consecutive losses. Crazy! I got Miami on this one too. Yeah, let me, let me see. What, what is, is it? Is it the record? Let me just check. Most consecutive. Most consecutive losses. Uh, it could be a, Lions were pretty. Lions were pretty bad. The Browns were pretty bad there for a while. Bra- yeah, I mean, zero and seventeen. That was pretty bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This would not be the okay. This would not be. This would not be for the record. What's uh, the record? So of the modern NFL, so since the since the AFL NFL merger, the most consecutive. So they are still they are still in second. They are still in second. Uh, okay. But since the AFL NFL merger, most consecutive losses goes to the '76 and '77 Tampa Bay Buccaneers with 26 losses straight. I mean, so this—I mean, this is absolute. But where where are they at right now? They're, they would be at twenty-one. They're at tw- if they lose if, this. If they lose this, well, like when they when they lose this. What if they lose this week? They'll be at twenty-one. I think that this team uh, could possibly set the benchmark here because they're really bad and uh, their coach is getting grinded on in a bar. <laughs> they are really bad, and their schedule, if I'm not mistaken, is not getting any easier. Because let's see, no. this, let's see, Dolphins, Seahawks, Bills, Colts. Yeah, no, they could very well, but they could very well beat the record. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah. So that's that's that one up next. Uh, let's see what 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 else we got coming up. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's the Dolphins and Jags, Packers and Bears. Oh, you know you know Aaron Rodgers loves this. He loves going into his little brother. He's, Go in his little brother's room and just wrecking their shit. I, mean, I got, I got the Packers. Were they playing Soldier? Uh, yep, at Soldier. Uh, I hate the Packers, uh, but they haven't really wowed me. You know, they played tight with the, they played tight with the, um, with Cincinnati. You know what? I'm gonna go with the upset alert on this one. I'm gonna go really? Chicago on this Chicago. one just because I like the home. I, listen, I like the home matchup. I think Fields has been playing pretty decent enough. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. This is the. Uh, this is like the passing of the baton, so to speak. Maybe this is that Chicago has a uh, quarterback that can really play competitive against uh, Green Bay. So yeah, I'm gonna go Chicago on this one. Uh, also, also the NFC North, we have the Lions versus the Bengals. Nothing gonna be happier than the, than the Lions winning this game. I don't think it's gonna happen, even <laughs> though they played some games surprisingly close. Yeah, super tight games uh, all year, but uh, yeah, I definitely got sense you know, on that. Because like if I'm not mistaken, they haven't they haven't really been like blown out by any team. I mean, closest thing is when the no, because they came back and almost beat the Niners. Yeah, I mean, closest thing is when the Packers, but the Packers beat them. But the Packers, the Packers, like they, 
they lost by two to the Ravens and lost by two to the Vikings and lost by yeah. ten, 10 to the Bears, but still. I think they, they've played teams rel- closer than you would think. I still got the Bengals, which sucks, but I think that they're going to they're gonna come out on top. Yeah. Although I'd still love it if MCDC got his first win against the Bengals. Uh, <laughs> next up, oh, another, another matchup between two bottom feeders of the NFL. Uh, Texans versus Colts. Colts are heavy favorites to win. I'm still taking yeah. them, but... Oh, uh, I'll take Indy for sure. This could get ugly. And I believe yeah, but the, I mean, when they can turn it on, though, they could be a good team. And I believe General Mills is still playing. Yes, he is. Uh, next one up, uh, Ravens versus what's left of the Giants. I say what's left because their entire offense got hurt last week. Yeah, and even Barkley, who's made of, I think he's like half ramen noodles or something. Oh, man. That, he's, oh did I say Rams? I meant Rams. Rams versus the Giants. Oh, never mind. I thought you meant the Okay, no, never mind then. Um, yeah, the Rams. I still got the Ravens on this one. Wait, Don't really no, think I changed no, 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 anything. Ravens aren't playing. It's the Rams and the Giants. Oh, okay, so even better. Uh, yeah, I got the Rams on this one because, uh, yeah, everybody is made of real brittle in uh, New York, apparently. So yeah. uh, Saqu- yeah. Saquon, injured. Daniel Jones, injured. Galladay, injured. I think things are so bad. I think I think they traded for Andy Dalton to Chicago. Oh, Lord. Let me see. Really? Bring it. No, I'm sorry. They, 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 there was talk of him being traded. It hasn't happened yet, although... Oh, Lord, that'd be hilarious. But, yes, no. Uh, yeah, uh, I got the Rams winning this one. Pre- they should have won this pretty Yeah, for handily. sure. Uh, now, this is a perfect game for Kansas City. This is exactly what they need. Chiefs versus the football team. Yep. Yeah, I got the Chiefs in this one. I think they need a game like this. They need to really re- kind of just redefine themselves, reassert themselves, especially because the Washington football team does not look like the football team we saw last year. No, they look completely different. Like the, they're like literally the, you know, team without a name. But they don't, they don't even look like they've played football. Um, yeah, for sure. I got Kansas City, and I went to uh, Vikings versus Panthers. This this would have been a lot easier to call two weeks ago when the Panthers were just like dominating everybody. Now, yeah, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I got Minnesota on this one. Yeah, I, mm, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Carolina, but if Minnesota wins, not gonna be surprised. okay. Uh, Chargers versus Ravens. This is a this is a good matchup. Yeah, it's all going to be depend, depend on whether whether or not that Chargers defense shows up. If they can shut down the Ravens offense, I think they win. Yeah, I mean that's just a huge what if. But if we're going like straight up, who like I I just I see Baltimore winning this. I, I can't really see Baltimore not uh, again, especially with that big win on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, or Monday night. Yeah, again, I want I want the Chargers to win. Yeah. But I think it'll be Baltimore. Uh, yeah. The Cardinals, the only undefeated team left in football taking on the Browns. I think the Cardinals got the heat. I'm going Cardinals on this one. I'm going to go Cleveland. I haven't been really wild. I, I, Of course, you know, Division two. you know. You have that problem, too, obviously. Uh, I'm going to go Cleveland. I think Cleveland's played. I think they, they, they were um, – I think the refs really gave the game literally to the uh, Char- Chargers last week week um some penalties went one way and not the other um yeah i'm gonna go cleveland on this one i think they rebound and they get uh set the course back to where they uh wanted to so i'm gonna go with cleveland on this one with the upset all right uh raiders versus bronco i mean 
Raiders have to be in disarray right now, so I don't think they're in a place to to beat the team, to beat the Broncos. Yeah. No, with just that whole yeah, uh, yeah, with that, that whole entire week that they've had, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely going, definitely going Raiders on this one. And let's see, then we got the Cowboys versus the Patriots. You going Raiders? You going um, Raiders? I'm going, or... I'm going Broncos. You're, you're going? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with you on that one. I, I think Denver. Uh, Cowboys versus Patriots. I am again, uh, not nothing makes you sadder than the Cowboys being good, being good at this game, but. Uh, I think they're gonna win mostly because New New England they just don't have it this year. They really don't. Like, what, what was the point of all that, spending all that money in free agency? Is this a uh, night game? Isn't it? It is. It's, it's Sunday. No, no, no. This is at, this is afternoon. No, wait. I'm sorry. Yes, no, it is night. Sunday night. Yeah. At Gillette. At Gillette. You ready for this one? I'm going to go upset alert. I think New England's going to beat Dallas. Um, kind of like what you said. I hate Dallas. And um, I just, I don't know. I just feel that, like, this is a game, it's like a trap game. I feel like New England playing at home, primetime football. I think this is a, a good spot for an upset. So I'm going to I'm gonna call it. I'm going to go New England over Dallas. All right. And Monday night, we have the Bills versus the Titans. A matchup that was pretty, that was Pretty one-sided last year. I don't think it's gonna be the case this year. I think Buffalo could very well win, and I'm, yeah. taking, I'm taking Buffalo to win. Yeah, I got Buffalo on this one. I do need a little uh, production out of Cole Beasley, fingers crossed. And um, I got Derrick Henry, so you know that's gonna happen. But uh, yeah, it should be a uh, should be a fun game. I think Buffalo should win this a lot lot more handedly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they should because. I mean, look, if, if, if you lose to the Jets, then what the fuck can you yeah. do? <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right, so that, that ends our prediction for the, for the week in football. And now we move on to trailer talk. First trailer we're talking about is for Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. So this is the franchise reboot to um, the film franchise which is based on the Resident Evil games. Uh, this one is a. This has nothing to do with the, with the last franchise. No Alice. No anything. Uh, Welcome to Raccoon City is is kind of taking it's taking it back to what the games were because you know Chris Chris and Claire Redfield yeah. are the main characters in this one played by uh, K.S. Delario and Robbie Amell and it's basically about the origins of Umbrella Umbrella Corp and uh, you know with the whole like outbr- outbreak starting. Uh, like I said, Casco Delario and Robbie Amell play Chris and Claire Redfield. Jill Valentine's going to be the new pl- played by Hannah John Kamen. Uh, we're going to see a young Wesker in the film. Uh, Kennedy has a lot of characters that are actually from the games, which is something that the, <laughs> the uh, PWS Anderson films did not do very often. Uh, so, Russell, what do you think of the first trailer for Welcome to Raccoon City? Kind of what you said. I think they took a step back and made it feel more video game esque. Um, I, I liked it. Okay. I mean, um, I could have done without another Resident Evil anytime soon, but I mean, you know, we're gonna get one whether we want one here in another month. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think it looks okay. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't think that this movie is going to do well enough to lend itself to more sequels being made, but I could be wrong. But I mean, it looks fun. Yeah, uh, and I think it's the, the turnaround time for the movie is. It's crazy because I think this was announced like late 2020. Yeah, and then and, and it's al- and it's already done. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh yeah, well, you announced it, it's done. It was done the next day after it was announced. We're good. Yeah, this was this was, this was announced in this was announced in October of 2020, 
uh, shot, uh, started shooting that month, oh finished boy. in December. <laughs> Which is crazy. This yeah, does yeah. not bode well. Let me tell you, this doesn't bode well, guys. This is a yeah. This is a this is an incredible quick turnaround time. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. This is set for a release on November twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Next show, we're talking about another franchise movie, but this is a franchise that we actually like. Uh, this is the first trailer for Scream twenty twenty one, because yeah, that's that's not confusing. Uh, so Scream yeah. is the fifth movie in the Scream franchise. Uh, it takes place 20 years after the first film. 25, 25 years? Yeah, it's about there. That's what it says here. 25, right? yeah. Uh, basically about a, uh, a new killer, uh, basically about a new killer who's done the ghost face mask and have to figure out who this is. Who this is. You, know, you know the drill at this point. Uh, features a cast that includes uh, features, features a cast that includes uh, you know, returning favorites. Nev Campbell is back. Courtney Cox is back. David Arquette is back. Marley Shelton, who I guess was in Scream 4. I don't remember. I, I, again, it's been a while since I've seen the Scream movies. But I guess she was in Scream 4. She's back. Uh, also, we just new cast members like uh, J- Melissa, uh, Melissa Barrera from In the Heights, Jenna Ortega, Jack Quaid, and Dylan Minnette. Uh, this is written and directed by uh, Matt Bet- bettinelli Oplin and Tyler Gillette, who just who did Ready or Not, a movie I liked quite a bit. Uh, Russell, what do you think of the first trailer for Scream? Boy, did the uh, the old crew uh, age besides Nev Campbell. Nev besides Campbell looks Nef fantastic. Campbell. No, I mean, I like the uh, trailer. I mean, obviously, we both love Scream, so obviously I was on board with this one. Uh, I don't know, though. I think that if you looked at the trailer, man, boy, everybody aged. I mean, from 25 years, you got David Arquette looking a little rough around the edges. Courtney Cox, obviously, looked like she has a lot of plastic surgery done. But I think Nev Campbell's our hero here. I think Nev Campbell really has found the fountain of youth. Um, I'm kind of curious how they're going to tie this in to like to re- revamp this this franchise uh, that's that's my, my big thing how are, like the, the killer how is the killer related to or how has it been influenced by you know what i mean so we'll see what happens but obviously like you huge scream fan so i'll i'll be in line to see this when it comes out in january yeah no i think that i think that it looks i think it looks great i'm very curious as to who the actual killer is going to be revealed to be yeah, because like they they seem to be hinting that it's somebody who was around for the events of the first movie. But you think about it, yeah, who, and it's who, who the fuck yeah. is left? And on top of it, you got to be twenty five years added to that person, so it has to be an adult. Uh, I I just don't know. Yeah, is it did Matthew actually survive? Is it him? <laughs> yeah, is it Randy saying ha 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 ha? I got you, got you, bitch. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. And I just like 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 I was like say before, though, it was like I feel like we really borrowed a lot of this stuff from the first film, though, uh, in that trailer. You got a lot of the vibes of the first screen movie for sure. No, yeah, I I think I think it looks great. Like I said, I I was a really big fan of Ready or Not. And uh, yeah, I think this looks like we're getting back to what what made Scream great. I mean, Scream's all I mean, Scream's all good. It's a pretty consistent franchise. I I, the only one I really don't like is three. And even that, and I think that's I think I think that's across the board. It's got some interesting ideas in there, so I can't really, I can't be like fully mad at it. No, but I mean they're they they're they're solid films. Though, regardless of three being the worst, they're still really 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 good films. So and if you, you want to see, our you're thoughts, allowed to have a bad one. If you want to see our thoughts on the first scream, you can go and check the episode we did uh, with Popcorn Talk Network on Car- uh, Carrie Lane. Yeah, so uh, that's a that's a plug that happened. Um, check it out. Yeah, we had a really great discussion. Um, it was our 25th anniversary episode, I believe. It was, yeah. And 
and it ties perfectly into the Halloween season slash Scream coming, obviously, in a couple of months. So, uh, yeah, check that one out. The next year, um, yeah, Scream is set for release in on uh, January 14th, 2022. Uh, next year we're talking about, I, don't, I, won't be, I won't be upset if you haven't seen it because I just realized now I forgot to put it on the list. But have you seen the trailer for Home Sweet Home Alone? <laughs> No, I uh, the the new one. No, no I no. haven't. Um, I didn't want to because I literally saw like the first couple seconds of it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is trash. <laughs> so I I and I'll end up watching it though, just because I love. I mean, I think you and I we absolutely adore the uh, the '90 film. Uh, adore it, and um, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I just uh, okay. it looks really bad. I'm confused by it all, but we're not we're not gonna talk. We'll, we'll, we'll say that for another, another time. Maybe maybe your review. Who knows? But yeah, home sweet home alone. <laughs> I uh, I like it. I like it. Let's. <laughs> uh, next year we are talking about though is for the Black Phone. So the Black da, Phone da, is an da. upcoming horror movie directed by Scott Derrickson, starring Ethan Hawke, who was directed by Scott Derrickson in Sinister. Uh, and this movie is basically about a kid who gets it's basically a string of kidnappings. Five kids go missing. The one kid who's about to be the sixth, he gets kidnapped. And then there's this black phone in space where he's being held. And he starts seeing these spirits. Maybe it's another worldly thing. We don't know. But it's a whole thing of him trying to get out, get, get out from... He's getting this kidnapper who is played by, like I said, played by Ethan Hawke. Uh, Russell, what do you think of the trailer for the black phone? I liked it. Uh, totally on board with it. Um, I like Ethan Hawke doing something completely different on Ethan Hawke-esque. Um, but yeah, no, I'm completely on board. I really enjoyed Sinister. I thought that was a really good film. And obviously Derrickson has a good relationship with Hawk. Um, I'm on board with it, man. I like that mask is creepy as shit. Um, yeah, I'm on board looking forward to this one. I wish this would have come out in October, not February, but Hey, uh, but still looks really good. No, I agree. I think, I think this looks fantastic. Uh, I, all it's getting really rave reviews right now. I think it's they be at a fantastic, fantastic fest. And it's currently sitting at, I think it's sitting at 100%. I mean, they only got nine reviews, but still, uh, it's great. Uh, I love Ethan Hawke as an actor, so and we're going to talk about more in a second. But yeah, uh, definitely excited to see like what is going on here. It got, it got my intrigue, and then that I can and yeah, that for I sure. can say is a really big positive. Uh, and yeah, that uh, that's set to release on uh, February 4th, 2022. Uh, next year, we're talking about another another movie starring Ethan Hawke. This is Zeros and Ones. So uh, this is a movie about uh, Ethan Hawke, who is apparently playing twins, and there's a whole plot regard- regarding some kind of government cons- government conspiracy that you know people are looking in for him yeah. that he doesn't have. It's 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 a whole to do. It's directed by Abel Ferreira. He directed the original Bad Lieutenant, starring Harvey Keitel, as well as King of New York. Uh, really, really talented dude, and Eve- and Ethan Hawke is the main star of it. I think that watching the trailer back to back made me realize just how great of an actor Ethan Hawke is. Oh, he can completely mask himself, like, like literally, like uh, the, the talent that he has. You know, you can go from one going to a completely a horror film, and then you're going to what pretty much like an action thriller esque film, and that's just how Ethan Hawke rolls. Like he he te- constantly tests himself as an actor, and that's what you got to appreciate. But yeah, I think the film looks okay. Um, I didn't see any of the other ones. I never saw Bad Lieutenant, the original, and I never saw uh, the that other one, The King. King of New York. Uh, well. Yeah, I never saw that one, so kind of out of the out of the loop on this one. But uh, I mean, it looks okay. I mean, it doesn't look awful. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it looks interesting. I'd, I'd watch it just to get some more Ethan Hawke in my life. I didn't realize how much I like <laughs> Ethan Hawke and things until the last couple of years. I'm like, damn, you're a really good actor, and I like you. Yeah, and it also helps that he actually uh, did meet did meet him at a screening for his for his movie, uh, the one he directed, Blaze. Did you ever hear about that one? 
I did hear about it, yeah. It's really good. Uh, yeah, I made it to Naki. He sent my copy of Magnificent 7, which was, which was really cool. Uh, yeah, no, you, oh, it's cool you got to meet him. Yeah, I did get to meet him. He's a really, really nice guy. Cool, man. I, I would have probably like had him sign Gattaca because I think that was like my first introduction to Ethan Hawke. Gattaca, Hawk. Gattaca was a good one. Uh, next show talking about yeah. for a movie. This uh, oh yeah, sorry. This this, uh, this is for release in August. Actually, there's no release date for this yet. Premiering film festival, but it will be will be coming out soon. And apparently, it's short. It's only 85 minutes. Which movie? Uh, this uh, zeros and ones. Oh, it says November nineteenth of twenty twenty one. Oh, did it? Okay, but well, it's not listed on the wiki here, so maybe maybe so. Yeah, could, I gotta update that. Could be wrong, but I I wrote it down November nineteenth, so I could be wrong. That's that's if, that sounds if right. So keep your eyes peeled. That that sounds familiar. Now that you're saying it. Uh, next okay. one we're talking about is not for a series, but for, not for a movie, but for a series. Uh, this is for the Shrink Next Door. So the Shrink Next Door is a show that is actually based on a series uh, podcast. Uh, well, it's based on a series of podcasts. It's basically about this true story of a psychiatrist who basically abused his relationship with his patients and exploited them for personal gain. Uh, in this one, being shown how he basically like in, like just gets into the life of a uh, what was it like a drape dispenser, like uh, a fabric maker yeah, or fabric something, maker. something like that. Yeah, uh, with uh, the psychiatrist played by Paul Rudd and the guy he's basically gaslighting. Played by Will Ferrell. Uh, this is a series that is going to debut on Apple TV Plus. It's a dark comedy, and I don't know what to make of this show because, like, there's a lot of points from just like, yeah, I don't know how bad if I buy into this. But as the trailer goes on, like, I, it slowly brings me in. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I do want to see this. I do buy that this is like not. Yeah, you know, it, 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 well, it doesn't. By anyway, it doesn't feel like an SNL sketch, which is, I think, a, a good thing. Uh, maybe that's just me. What do you, what do you think, Russell? What do you think about the first look at yeah. the drink next door? No, I liked it. Obviously, you know, I, I love Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell, so I think them working together in something that's not like a, you know, like one of those like cheesy co- comedies that you see those SNL films or cheesy like comedies in general that they might do together. Um, this is a little bit darker, and I kind of like that. So kind of test both of their acting. I mean, obviously, Paul Rudd's good with serious roles too. And Will Ferrell sometimes he's hit or miss. It just kind of depends on what you get with Will Ferrell. Cause some of his serious stuff hasn't like turned out really too, too well, but uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I think it does look really, uh, really good. Yeah. And uh, that is it for release on Apple TV plus, and we'll start streaming. I believe it said this fall, didn't it? Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. November, November 12th. Yeah. Good premiere on November 12th, 2021. Uh, next show we're talking about is for the tender bar. Uh, the Tender Bar is a is a no- movie coming directed by George Clooney. Uh, basically about a boy who, and based on, also based on a true story, based on this kid's memoirs about how his dad disappeared after his birth, and he basically forms a forms a paternal bond with his uncle. Uh, ben Affleck plays the uncle. Ty Sheridan plays the uh, the main guy. Also features Lily Rabe, Christopher Lloyd, and Max Martini in the cast. Uh, Russell, what do you think of this trailer for the Tender Bar? I dug it. Um, you know, obviously we love a little uh, Affleck in our life. Um, I think Clooney behind the uh, lens, I think should be really good. And I like the fact that you know, you know, obviously Ty Sheridan's a pretty good actor. Uh, I liked him in Ready Player One. Um, fine. Um, and Christopher Lloyd, I, I love seeing Christopher like the resurgence of Christopher Lloyd here. I think that's fantastic too. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Um, yeah. Looks it looks it looks good enough though. I, I I'm looking forward to it. I'll say this Ben Affleck looks like he's giving one of, looks like he could be giving one of his best performances. 
Like he looks so good. I, it's, in this. it's what it's what he does, man. We gotta we gotta gotta appreciate the BA, man. Yeah, and George Clooney directing this, I think, is a fascinating choice because when you look at his filmography in the past couple of years, I mean, like, he has his he has his hits, obviously. Confession, Confession of Danger Mind is awesome. Uh, good night and good luck is a modern masterpiece, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, but, I like that one. Yeah, uh, that's that's good. But then you have but then you have shit like <laughs> like Leatherheads. The Ads of March is good. It's probably his Which last was... like really good movie. Leatherheads was awful. Yeah, we have yeah, we got like Leatherheads and like those last three, The Monuments Men, Suburbicon, Midnight Sky. Three were like they're not bad, they're just like not great. Yeah. Uh but yeah, but I think that this is I think this is George Clooney getting back to like what made him a great filmmaker in the first place. I do think he's got he's got talent behind the lens. He's undeniably got talent. Oh, absolutely. I think it's these For smaller sure. these smaller, more grounded stories that he does really well. Like, which was kind of what we saw, like in like, Confessions, or we saw in the Ads of March. Like, he, the dude, the dude's a good filmmaker, and I'm excited to yeah. see this. And again, could be another potential Oscar contender for for Amazon. Especially if this if this hits really well, I expect a huge campaign to go behind Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, who I don't, oh, I don't think he's ever been nominated for an acting Oscar, has he? Let me just let me just double check. Hmm, I don't. Th- uh, I don't no. think so. He, no, he's been on it for two Oscars, neither of which are for acting. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, is he doesn't have a lot of you know like Academy grinding performances, but like you look at him in something like The Way Back last year, in which he's excellent. oh fantastic. He is so great. Phenomenal. Yeah. I, I had that movie come yeah. out towards you know uh, like towards the fall, like in like October or November. I think it would have been a serious conversation for Best Actor Oscar. Oh, he should have been. He was definitely uh, left off the list. It was kind of sad because it was such a really great performance that he gave. Yes, a lot, but a lot of the great performances and a lot of performances that were left off the list. But either way, uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see it set and set for release on December 17th, 2021. Last trailer we're talking about today. Speaking of actors who are directing stuff, uh, it is the uh, first trailer for Bruised. This is a movie directed by and starring Halle Berry. Uh, in this movie, where she plays a disgraced MMA fighter, and she has to face and she has to come back in the in the MMA while also taking care of her son, who just happens to show up. And I love the reveal of her son, where it's just like, "Yeah, this is your son." And she's, she's reacting, where just like, "I have a son." She's like, "Yeah." <laughs> what do you think you went? <laughs> what do you think you did for nine months? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't remember that. Those were dark times. We don't want to talk about that. But yeah, Halle Berry, and, and at nearly at fifty-five years old, playing an MMA fighter, like that, that, that is, <laughs> and directing the movie as well. That is insane. And but I mean that. In a you good know what else way. is? I mean that in a good way. And you know what else is insane? I couldn't find <laughs> I couldn't find the trailer because. You, I realized what you did, and oh, I totally bru- looked it up. Like, did you bruise look, Jesus Christ? You looked up bruise Jesus Christ. <laughs> I swear to God, I didn't see it. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, because I, I mean, it could be a, I mean, it could be a title. I don't know. Like, that could be an artsy title for a film. You know, I don't know. Liquor um, Pizza, the title. So maybe. I'm sorry, so I didn't get to watch it. I put question marks by bruise Jesus Christ. I'm like, uh. I don't know. It was like, oh yeah, here's another trailer, and I, I totally, get, I'm laughing as I was like looking at the list of uh, trailers, and I, I get it now. Yeah, okay, but so you, so you didn't watch this? 
I did not watch this one. You should check it out because actually looks actually looks really interesting. All right, I have to check it out. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm and not the Bruce Jesus Christ trailer. And but yeah, like we said, we said this a lot on, on the channel. I liked when actors try and step behind the lens, especially like someone as well established as Halle Berry. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, who's lens. been, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, Bruce uh, going straight to Netflix and set for release on November November twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. That's it for uh, that's it for the news. We now move on to I'm sorry, that's it for trailer. We now, we now move on to notorious news. Uh, first piece of news we're talking about we we gotta talk about squid game uh so yeah i have not got to check that out yet uh, did you get to check this out yet i did i haven't seen the whole thing but i've seen that i've seen the first episode let, 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 me, let me explain <laughs> let us explain because there's some people who might be like what the hell is squid game and here's what this is so this is a this is a south korean uh language miniseries that was made by Netflix, made on the cheap too. It only cost like twenty-four million dollars to, to to produce, and not only was it big, it was huge. Like oh, it 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 is huge right now. Like Russell, this is currently the most watched series, most watched premiere on Netflix. That's crazy. I mean, you you think about all the things that they've had on there. It's absolutely crazy to think that. Yeah. I now I after all the hype, I started to check it out. I've seen the first episode. And it's really good. Yeah, I might have to watch that then. Yeah, it's basically it's about this guy who he's down he's down on his luck. Uh, he ne- he needs money, and so he gets recruited into this whole like you know this whole like someone comes out to him in the train, like you know I'll give you money if you if you can come in and play these play these games. And then the, the games they put together are just like so, like they're like heightened versions of, like childhood games. It's really it's really strange and it's really cool. It's got a lot. I won't, again, I've only seen the first one, but I like I like the main guy. I, I don't I don't know his name offhand, but yeah, definitely definitely gonna continue on the show. It's only it's only nine episodes too, so it's actually, so it's not a, it's not a big commitment. Uh, Russell, you, okay. you're gonna check out Squid Game anytime soon. I gotta check it out. We uh, actually just started Midnight Mass, so I'm two episodes into that right How's now. How's that? Well, it's good. I like it so far. You haven't seen it yet? I have not. Not bad so far. Two episodes in, I'm digging it. Uh, I like the uh, the vibe that uh, it's given, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, watch watch this wrap this up soon so I can start Squid Game. I'll probably end up watching it without Beck, but yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so yeah, uh, Squid Game. <laughs> if you see on Netflix, if you see on Netflix, which is probably a lot of you, uh, yeah, we I get it. If you haven't seen it though, I would recommend checking it out. Uh, next piece news talking about. Let's talk about the the opening. Speaking of things be opening, let's talk about uh the No Time to Die opening. So No Time to Die, at long last came out. It seemed like a long time coming, but it's it was it finally out. It's in it's in the world. We can go see this movie right now, and it debuted in the U.S. It debuted, became a pretty solid debut. Uh, open to a grand total of, let me look here, $60 million. Not bad. Especially, yeah, especially, for, not bad. especially for these times. Uh, and worldwide total is already up to $330 million. Although, granted, the rest of the world's had this movie for, like, months already. Well, yeah. Oh, sorry. Not months. They've had the movie for a week. They've had the movie for a week before us. Of course, yeah. of course the UK got the movie before it. Before Feels like months. Did. Feels like months, but yeah, Russell. If you got a chance to yeah, check out, no obviously, time yeah, I did. I saw it last Thursday when it opened. How'd you like it? I liked it. I, I, did I dug it. I really did. I did too. 
That was that was, that was yeah, a really big good, fan. That was the, the kind of send off that a Bond actor really hasn't gotten before this. No, and it was really like I said, it was it was solid. You got solid acting all all across the board with that. Um, the long runtime, I mean, it might bother some people. I thought it was going to bother me, but it actually flows. I mean, it's a slow burn, but it's good. It's worth it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, it's, I think it's a little too long, and honestly, if it were shorter, it probably would have made a little more because they can, they can run it more times in a day. But either way, I think, I think yeah. it's a very uh, good way to end the Bond franchise and Craig's tenure as Bond, I'll say. And yeah, if you haven't seen yeah. it, I would recommend checking it out. It's a theater near you. Uh, next piece we're talking about, uh, uh, have you seen the first picture for Wonka? Is it the one where Chalamet in the, in the thing? It is Chalamet. Chalamet in the and, thing. And is in the, in the caution. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We got yeah, our first look at Wonka, uh, the upcoming Blue Wonka prequel, which, yes, is a thing and <sighs> has a cast and is being shot currently. And we saw our first look at Timothy Chalamet as Wonka, to which everybody, myself <sighs> included, pointed out the fact that he looks like it looks like Gonzo from, from the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, but yeah, so look, seeing that is that I, I don't know. I know I know you're not really into this. Uh, does that kind of amp up your excitement for the uh, Wonka prequel? I don't uh, imagine. That no, would be the answer to that one. Shockingly. <laughs> but I will say, I watched Padding- shockingly. I watched the Paddington movies again, and they're both still great. So maybe yeah, they make Paul you feel King's good. The, maybe Paul King, who's directing Wonka, maybe he's got the juice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Except for here's uh, hoping. Except for release in 2023. Uh, next piece we're talking about is really a uh, is really a uh, you know news story per se, but just like just thing that happened in the last in the last week. Uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, Sony is on like a really big uh, hype tour with Ghostbusters Afterlife. They premiered it at CinemaCon. They showed the movie in its entirety. And they should movie in its entirety again at New York Comic Con, and it crushed at both. In fact, a b- friend of mine, Coy Andrew, uh, he was there when they showed it at New York Comic Con. Yeah, so he saw the oh, movie, yeah? and for everything I heard about it, it says it, it's great. Good. Yeah. So. Uh, Good. I'm. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, this is bu- this is building building the hype, building the excitement. So Russell, you know, as as a rabbit Ghostbusters fan, uh, this you know. And up your excitement, and I want to follow the question: How well do you think this is going to do opening weekend? Yeah, obviously it amps it up. I am a huge fan of the Ghostbuster franchise, uh, minus that other one. But I mean, that's not me hating; it's just the truth. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think with 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 COVID now, but it's like a family friendly film that I think you can get more you know butts and seats on this one. I don't know. I think it has potential to go. I'd say. You know what? I'll, I'll I'll round it. I'll go seventy between seventy five and eighty five. I think that's a huge opening for that. I'm gonna go between seventy five and eighty five. In a world where Venom made money. <laughs> yeah, I mean seriously. So I'm gonna go between seventy five and eighty five. I like it. Uh, that's a that's a good bet. I'll uh, I'll go a little under. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say about seventy seventy five. I think it'll open well. I think it'll open really well. Okay, good. Mostly because I think I think I think they got a fan base. I think I think you. Yeah, yeah, all the fanfare of you know we're doing another one with the original cast and the one in the ori- timeline of the original. Uh, I, I think I'm I'm curious I'm curious about it. I think they could end up being really good, or well, it could end up doing well. It's supposed to be really good, but it could end up doing uh, could end up doing major numbers. Uh, and yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife set for release in November, I believe, right? 
Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife set for release on November 19th, 2021. Would have been so good to have it out this month. Oh, it would have been perfect. Yeah, eh, oh well. It happens. Uh, next piece we're talking about. Uh, we got some series announced. Uh, first of which, uh, it was announced that... You, you've seen WandaVision, right, Russell? I have. Okay, good. I mean, didn't matter. Didn't matter if you did. I was gonna say. I was gonna say a story, anyways. It was announced that Catherine Hahn's character Agatha Harkness is going to get her own spinoff Disney Plus series, Agatha All Along. Uh, to which I heard that I'm just like, okay. I feel like we yeah. got all the mods we needed to have that character. I mean, she was so good in it. I think that's probably why they kind of yeah. took and ran with it. No, Catherine Hahn was was really great as as Agatha. So I get why we yeah. want to see more of her. I'm just very curious what her own series would be. I that I don't know, but kind of kind of what you said. I mean, she was really fantastic in One Division, so it's kind of not a surprise. I mean, it is a surprise, but it's not that they took that character and said, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna give her her own series." So we'll see what happens. But yeah. Also announced uh, on the Netflix side of things, it was announced that we are getting a that '70s show. It's not well, a spinoff, but. That's in the show sequel. We're getting that 90s show. Uh, that 90s oh show boy. will follow the daughter of uh, uh, the daughter of Eric and Donna Lo- uh, Leia Leia Foreman uh, as she goes <laughs> back to Point Blaze to live with her grandma and grandpa, uh, Red and Kitty Foreman. Uh, Deborah Jo Rapp and Kurt Woodsmith are both slated to return for this show. No other word on the any original cast members coming back yet, although I'm. But I can say with pretty solid confidence that we'll see some of them return. Probably not Danny Masterson, but everybody else it seems like a ghost. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's his own fault. Hey, I get it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you do, you do stupid things like that. Yeah, you do things like that. Yeah, that uh, shit happens, you know? What are you going to... Yeah, are, are you a fan of that 70s show? I am. I, I've watched... Uh, I was a sporadic watcher. I bought it like on DVD as I think they... Well, I think that thing the series was done. But I had watched... I've watched quite a few episodes. I, I've always enjoyed the show. Yeah, and no, I agree. So what do you think about that, the prospect of that 90s show? It, it has me because I'm a 90s... Like, product of the... Well, the 80s, but grew up mostly in the 90s. So I think that'll be kind of fun to see all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, that makes me feel A, old, and B, kind of looking forward to it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like those. I like that, that world. I like those characters. I think. I think it's interesting to see the fact that we're reviewing this because I think it shows just how big a fan base that show has. By the fact that currently, right now, the show is not streaming anywhere. Like no. It used to be on Netflix. It used did, to be. and then it just, it just left for whatever reason. Which is crazy because it's like why. <laughs> Yeah, and you you can call it the Disney Fox merger all you want, but the thing is, like, it's not, it's not even on Hulu, which is the, the, the streaming service that Disney and Fox own. So, I don't understand why this is, why it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense because it's such a beloved stoner classic that you think that they would show it. Yeah, and I, I mean, this is obviously going to come with Netflix hopefully buying the rights to that '70s show. If they did the streaming rights to that '70s show, if they didn't, that'd be really goddamn stupid. Uh, and getting it back on to hype up the night that '90s show, yeah. but. Either way, I, I do, and plus you have a original series creator coming back to do this show, so I do think there's a lot of potential here. And I mean, they, they saw the Cobra Kai did big numbers for them, so I thought, hey, you know, what? We, we we could try this again. Yeah, I think I think this will do pretty good for them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 
next thing we're talking about is for all back to back to Disney Plus real quick. Uh, it was announced that we are getting a series of shorts called Olaf Presents. So in Frozen Two, <laughs> uh, there was a bit in the movie in which Olaf basically lays out the events of Fro the first Frozen. There's a bit yeah. a lot of people found pretty funny, including myself. I do I didn't think there was there was a lot of a last in there. Um, so this this series of shorts is going to be him recapping other Disney movies. Such as, I think someone's announced were Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, oh. Aladdin, Lion King, Moana, uh, all sorts of stuff. Because, yeah, they, they, they cannot let this IP die. they got to do something with it. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, what do you think of the idea of Olaf Presents? That sounds, I mean, it does sound funny. I mean, like I said, with, with <clears throat> in the Frozen 2, it was kind of funny. So, yeah, I, I think that could be kind of fun. Yeah, uh, I got Josh, uh, Josh Gad, of course, coming back to voice uh, the character of Olaf. And yeah, uh, the set for release on Disney Plus November twelfth, twenty twenty two. Sorry, twenty twenty one, not twenty twenty two. I'm sorry, <laughs> Ryan forgot to build the hype for Olaf Presents. <laughs> Got to give it a year, guys. Come on now. Uh, next thing we're talking about is for well, back to back to Disney Plus for a moment. Uh, there's going to be a Disney Plus biopic. It was announced. There's going to be one about the making of Disneyland. Uh, it's going to be written, uh, I don't know about written actually, but it's going to be directed by David Gordon Green, who directed directed Halloween, directing Halloween Kills, directing Halloween Ends next year. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's going to be his next, uh, presumably his next movie following up that. Uh, yeah, and just coming to me first, I think as someone who is an avid Disneyland and theme park fan, I think this is actually a really good move. I'm surprised there hasn't been a movie about the making of Disneyland. Yeah, I mean, I think that would lend that would lend itself obviously perfectly. It will, yeah, it will lend itself well. I mean, you, you it, it's as the story of how you build basically a theme park empire, including yeah. in addition to your actual empire. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Russell, what do you think about the idea of a of a uh, Disney Land movie? Yeah, I mean, I, I I like it. You know, as somebody obviously who's been there multiple times, I mean, yeah, for sure. And kind of what you said, you know, it lends itself perfectly to a story about the creation of it. You know, how they came up with it. You know, what was it, what was uh, you know the the first couple of attractions and stuff like that. You know, and I think it's. It, I mean, obviously the diehard Disney fans know that, but the other people that don't, more casual goers, don't know that stuff. So I think that in itself, um, yeah. Now here's my question. I think that in itself would lead to a good, a good film. Now here's my question: Do you get Tom Hanks back to play Walt Disney? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I actually still have never seen uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Your mileage may vary. On. Oh, I, I know a lot of people that love yeah, people I, who love it. That's what I heard, don't. and that's why it t- turned me off of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was I was also check it out just because again, Tom Hanks is excellent as Disney. Oh, yeah, Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. I mean, yeah. But I heard mixed things about it, so it was one of those things where it was kind of like, eh. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, we're getting a we're getting a uh, another a, a Disneyland making of movie. So, yeah, get excited. Uh, next thing we're talking about is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is back in the news. And the reason is is because he is currently in talks to work uh, to star in the new in Guy Ritchie's next movie after the one he's currently working on with Jason Statham. Uh, nice. No, no word on what the plot of this film is, but I do want to talk about it just, just because of Jake Gyllenhaal as an actor because he he kind of perplexes me. 
because if he he goes through yeah. so many so many phases because yet early John Hall where he's taking you know you know support supporting roles in like big dramas and stuff. Then you have the you know John Hall he tried to be mainstream for uh, Prince of yeah. Persia. Then he stopped that and he started taking like you know a bunch of indie roles. And now it seems like we're at like the Jake John Hall where yeah. it's like Jake John Hall will just do anything now. Which I mean, which I think is a positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get it, because yeah, he has been so versatile in his whole career. But you look at like the like the shit he's done in the past couple of years. You have like the the guilt, the guilty, spirit untamed, Spider-Man Far From Home, Velvet Buzzsaw, Sisters <laughs> Brothers, Okja, Stronger Life. Like there's there's no consistency here. No, I mean, there's really not, but, uh, I mean, he's he's such a good actor in anything, though, no, so... No, he really is. Like, he's one of the guys who, like, he elevates every, anything he's doing. Yeah, for sure. So, I'll watch him in anything. Exactly, and I'm definitely excited to see what he has with Guy Ritchie. It's kind of, kind of like, this is like a situation where we're just like, yeah, I never, never worked with that guy before, so I want to see what that's like. I'm totally down for it, because I like Guy Ritchie, so I'm totally down to see how a Jake Gyllenhaal led or... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, featuring you know, Jake cameoed, yeah, featuring. I think it would be kind of cool. So I'm on board. Yeah. Uh, next thing we're talking about, and in, in, in the category of biopics, uh, there was a uh, move. There was a uh, movie announced. It's going to be about Senator Joseph McCarthy. Uh, it's going to be a biopic ab- about his life, about his. And you know, Joseph McCarthy. Uh, he's basically a guy who. Uh, in the 40s, in the in the in the 50s, oh, sorry, was it the 50s or the 40s? Uh, let me do- let me double see here. I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah, both. From 47 to 57, he was a senator who basically served on a served through a series of trials, known as the McCarthy trials, uh, which basically kind of was they're trying to get to the root of communism. Not get to the root of communism. They're trying to like out potential communists. Seems like a good idea. Only problem yeah. is these trials were ridiculous. Yeah, like they were insane. I actually ended up in it with a lot of innocent people going to jail. Again, <laughs> <laughs> getting like labeled as communists. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh. basically going to be about him during that period of time. Uh, Michael Shannon is going to be playing Joseph McCarthy. Amelia, uh, Amelia Clark is going to play McCarthy's wife, which is a weird optic, and I'm kind of interested to see what that looks like. Also features uh, Dane DeHaan, <laughs> Scoop McNary. Uh, not directed by anybody super well known, but what do you think of uh, the idea of a Joseph McCarthy movie starring Michael Shannon? I mean, it makes sense that you know, obviously, a figure like that, and the you know, just the craziness of that whole entire stretch with the McCarthy trials and stuff like that, um, would be made into a film. I mean, it's you know, we've made films about every other you know big scandals and stuff like that, like with Watergate, and now that that FX one with Clive Owen with the impeachment thing of Bill Clinton and stuff like that. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, always, there's always a lot of period pieces or historical, like, you know, uh, time times and, you know, history or whatever that, uh, you know, they, they make films about, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I'm cool with Michael Shannon. I like Michael Shannon as an actor. I think he's great. Um, I just don't know if, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know how, you know, I'm not a hundred, you know, I'm not like really, really, like knowledgeable about the whole McCarthy trust. I mean, I do know like the, the kind of what you said about him, but I don't know how in depth, you know what I mean? Like in depth right. about him. And I think it's funny because, um, the, uh, so I don't, you, you've seen good night and good luck, right? 
Yeah, I have. Yeah, I mean, like that. Like that basically is during during the run of McCarthyism. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Been- yeah. I mean, I, I can see. Okay. Then I, I can. I mean, I can see Michael Shannon leading it. You know. I mean, I think he's a good enough actor to do that. I mean, I like Shannon and pretty much anything he does. So. Yeah. That. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Joseph McCarthy in that movie, played by, 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 by himself via archive footage. I think now he's getting to play him like full on, and so or now we're getting. Like, yeah. I think it's, this could be like I haven't seen the movie yet, but I think it's, if it's good, it could be like a great double feature of these two movies. You have the actual yeah. McCarthyism, and then you have like people the perception of McCarthyism. I think I think, I think it'd be really interesting. But regardless, yeah. that movie that movie yeah. needs to come out. It needs to be made. It needs to come out, and I am really excited to see what it looks like in the end. Uh, something else we are uh, getting is another Helen Keller movie. But here's why oh, this boy. one. Here's why this I goes one to pass. Uh, Helen Keller is going to be played by Millicent Simmons. Uh, she was the daughter from both the Quiet Place films. Reason I okay. bring that up is because she will be the first person, the first deaf actress to play Helen Keller. Okay. So many movies we've had this, this character, this person played. Uh, <laughs> never had an, someone who's actually deaf do it. What a what a knockoff guy! Wait, what, what a, a ripoff guys! Wait a minute. No, she's not. Wait. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Marley Matlin didn't. Mal- Marley Matlin didn't play <laughs> Helen Keller. Uh, but she, but she is deaf. Uh, uh, what do you think of the idea of another Helen Keller movie starring an actual deaf actress? And we're also getting, uh, you know, getting this, the classic Miracle Worker, te- Miracle Worker story, and her teacher will be played by Rachel Brosnahan. Um, I, I've never seen any of the other you know, a Helen Keller film. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think she's really good in a quiet place, you know, conveying a lot of things through emotions. Um, I think she's a really good, talented young actress and yeah, why not? <laughs> you're deaf, you're deaf and blind. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is it. Uh, I don't want to, unless he was, who's working on this. Uh, no, but nobody worth noting. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think that's a, I think it's a great step for Millicent Simmons and her career. I'm excited. I'm definitely curious to see what's someone who's actually deaf playing, uh, playing, uh, playing this person would, would actually be like. So yeah, uh, definitely curious to see that. And last story we're talking about today, uh, it was announced that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has got its first major new cast member. In the form of Will Poulter, who will be playing Adam Warlock. So, when was the last time you saw Guardians of the Galaxy uh, 2, Russell? Oof, man, it's been a while. Uh, okay. I've seen it twice. Well, do you, do you remember uh, the one of the post-credit scenes where it was Aisha, the sovereign chick, saying she created something, and it's called Adam? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. This, yeah. this is the thing she's created. So Adam Warlock in the comics is basically like one, is like the ultimate. Oh, okay. Basically, supposed to be the ultimate specimen. He is the embodiment okay. of perfection. He's got like a great set of powers, including flight, super strength, laser vision, all kinds of stuff. He's a really, really great dude, and was actually one of the few characters who's been able to wield all six Infinity Stones at once. And actually, in the Infinity War comics, he was supposed to be the one to kill Thanos at the end. Uh, <laughs> okay. I think Will Poulter is an interesting choice because that means that he's the perfect specimen, which means those eyebrows are a deliberate choice. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, what do you think of Will Poulter being in the Guardians movies? No, I like Will Poulter. Um, I think he obviously adds a comedic side to things. I liked him in We Are the Millers. Um, so this should be an interesting casting. Um, yeah, just kind of interested to see him in different things because I, I did. I liked uh, you know his performance in Detroit. So uh, yeah, let's let's let the kid uh, come into the MCU. Why not? 
Yeah, I think he. I think he's a sneakily good cast judge, but because because I think a, a skill he has is very underrated. Is people just don't know how funny he can be. Uh, yeah, like, like yeah, like, no, like, like I said, and uh, we are the Millers. I thought the, he was hilarious. We're the Millers. He's he's fantastic. I think he's super funny. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do under James Gunn's writing and direction. And yeah, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is set for release on in uh, May of 2023. So that does it for notorious news. We need to now move on to the movie of the week, Blade Runner 2049. But oh, hold up, not yet, because there's a lot of things we got to talk about before we even get to the movie itself. Namely, the first Blade Runner, which we've never reviewed on this channel. So, uh, really quick recap on the first one. So, Blade Runner, the first Blade Runner takes place in 2019 Los Angeles. Uh, in the future, there's this whole, there was this whole group, um, crew of, there's, there's the Tyrell Corporation. They made this line of enhanced humans called replicants. They were super strong. They had, they're super strong, super fast. They were about as smart as humans. They basically made they made them for awful and slave labor. They rebelled. Shit got messy. Replicants were outlawed on Earth, and there was a new division of the police made called Blade Runners. Are the, the in the first in the original Blade Runner, uh, basically it's about uh, Rick Decker, played by Harrison Ford, who has to send hunt down a crew of replicants who escaped off world and you're trying to go and find their career because the important thing about replicants the, their version is they only had a lifespan of like six years they did they didn't uh -huh. live they didn't live very long so they're always trying to find uh they're always trying to find you know a way to enhance enhance their lifespan their main one the main replicant played by oh but main replicant Roy Bay played by Rutger Hauer uh, he does it. He hunts them all down, kills them all, kills most of them. Doesn't kill Roy Batty in one of the greatest. He, he just ends up dying anyways in one of the greatest scenes in sci-fi history. And along the way, he meets a replicant named Rachel, who doesn't know she's a replicant, and she meets him and really starts to and really starts to you know ask ask questions about himself. You know, like what is humanity? Are these things? Am I doing what? Am what I doing is ethical? Is this? You know, is this is this right essentially? Basically, what all sci-fi does, uh, and yeah, that's where that's where the movie ends. The movie didn't do particularly well on release, but did get cult following after some retooling and some restructuring. The final cut of Blade Runner is regarded as one of the greatest sci-fi films ever made. So, Russell, how do you feel about the first Blade Runner? You know, I am on the minority here on this one. I remember watching it and just being bored to death with it. Um, maybe that's why my feelings were the way they were with Blade Runner 2049. I, I, I probably have to give it another watch. I don't really shut movies off like that, like that. You know what I mean? I, I will go back and rewatch them, but I remember watching and just not being, you know, I just kind of being like, eh, with it. You know what I mean? I know a lot of people regard this as a sci-fi classic. I tried going in with an open mind. Um, maybe I need to rewatch it again. I don't know. I just, I didn't do it for me. Like I know it does it for a lot of other people. Yeah, I love the first Blade Runner. I think it is. I, yeah. I, I agree with what it says, but a pinnacle of sci-fi filmmaking. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, I think it's got a great style too. I think you could clearly see the influence Blade Runner had on so many other filmmakers. Uh, even even aside from Villeneuve, just like, I mean, how many yeah. future movies look like the future the future of Blade Runner? Uh, just because the movie came out, like this is it influenced so much. I think it really is a staple of sci-fi filmmaking. The final yeah. cut that is. There's so many different no. cuts of that movie. Yeah, I do have the final cut somewhere in this yeah, that, massive that is, collection is, of DVDs. I do have it. That is the superior version. Uh, now I remember in 2015 yeah. it was announced that not only were we getting a sequel to Blade Runner, it was being directed by the guy who at the time did Prisoners and did Sicario, and Ryan mm -hmm. Gosling was going to be the star. I'm just like, oh. I remember seeing that. I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah. Let's do it. And yeah, uh, leading up, there was a big, big hype machine for this movie. But it's, but which, which my curiosity after seeing Arrival, it's like, okay, no, this dude, this dude can do sci-fi. All right, let's 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 see what we got. Uh, now, but when, along with the movie, we got some prelude because this is 2049, first took place in 2019. There's a bit of a gap between the two of them. So, uh, as, as Ridley Scott did in, for some of his prior movies, uh, Villeneuve actually did have some shorts commissioned uh, in order to explain things that happened in the in-between the two Blade Runner movies. Uh, and we're going to talk about all, th- all three of before we get into the actual film itself. Which I thought was really important. I even messaged you. I really kind of thought it did kind of fill out a little bit of the gray area that people would have, obviously, just watching Blade Runner and then jumping into Blade Runner 2049. I do think that this helps a lot dry, a lot of the Blade Runner 2049, a little bit of the, uh, explanations on why things uh, happen and how they happened. So, yeah, I, I did. I was glad that you, you gave us that for some homework here. Yeah, yeah. So the first the first show we're talking about is Blade is Blackout 2022. Uh, so this takes place three years after the first Blade Runner. It explains in the, in the prelude that uh, after the ne- after the whole Nexus Six thing happened, there was a new line of replicants introduced called Nexus Eights. Nexus Eights, the, the main difference between the Sixes and Eights are Eights had a natural lifespan. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, people didn't jive with so much so they actually started like using the regist- the Tyra registry to hunt down and kill people who were replicants. So yeah, this short is basically about uh, two replicants. Uh, one, I think one's name is is it, is it Domino? Well, I thought one was Iggy and Trixie. Iggy and Trixie. I'm sorry, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of something else. Uh, no, you're good. Yeah, so it's about Iggy and Trixie. Basically, so Iggy was a, a soldier who was basically fighting off on on an off world war. They basically had a whole army of replicants fighting it. And yeah. one day he found out that they were fighting. Uh, they were fighting other replicants. So that everything yeah. they were doing was for nothing. They yeah, basically they were just using them to rid rid the world of the replicants, kind of being used, I guess. Yeah, and their whole plan is to detonate a nuke over Los Angeles, and which will detonate an EMP, which will, mm-hmm. uh, which will of course shut down all electrical objects in the area. And while that happens, they're going to destroy the Tyrell servers, meaning that people can't identify replicants anymore. Yeah. So it so yeah they go off they do it it works Trixie dies along the way, but the mission is ultimately, ultimately successful. The nuke gets the nuke gets detonated, all all power goes out in Los Angeles for I think like five days. They mentioned in the movie. Or, 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 yeah, they call it they call it the blackout. Yeah. Yeah, the blackout lasted five days. In that time, all replicant servers were destroyed. So yeah, yeah people can't and this is this is, a ref, this is a thing. This is an event that's referenced constantly in the actual movie. And yeah. yeah, and this is of the shorts we got. This is easily my favorite. This is an, this was an animated short. It was done by uh, Sinshiro Watanabe, who basically who was mm-hmm. the guy who uh, directed Cowboy Bebop. You can see a lot of his art style in there. I think that the yeah, sure. the story the story is compelling. Uh, I think the animation lulls at times. I, I think it's not, it's not it, always clean. It's a, li- it's a little it's a little wooden at points, but I do think the writing and acting is strong enough to keep to keep your investments. And I think no, I agree. I think the thing that interesting about this about this short is the fact that this could have been its own movie. Yeah, because it was like a seventeen minute runtime, I think, or sixteen minute runtime. It's the longer of the three uh, shorts, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you definitely can see the influence he has, obviously, with uh, anime, and it just it it is beautiful to watch. It's 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 it really the whole futuristic LA lends itself perfectly to that type of you know hand drawn 
you know, uh, anime style. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I did like it. I, I don't know if it's my, eh, it might be, it's kind of, uh, unfair comparison because it is longer, so it has more meat to it, it as opposed to these other two that we're going to be talking about. Uh, but yeah, so we also find out that uh, this blackout basically results in the Tyrell Corporation being becoming bankrupt. Yeah, basically making way for the next short, twenty thirty six Nexus Dawn. Uh, so after the Tyrell Corporation, so this isn't in, this, strange that this this information is not in the American version. This is only the Chinese <laughs> prologue. Which is amazing because you think you would want to know this stuff going into yeah. t- Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So, you know what so, I mean? So this, so this, so this whole thing is about Neander Wallace and what the, a, a piece, a piece of information that the American version of the short leaves out, the Chinese version has, is that there after the blackout there was a big famine, and Wall and the Wallace Corporation basically stepped in and and you know helped alleviate that, basically made them like a giant, co- a giant company. Now, yeah. this short is about Neander Wallace, who, again, after the whole Nexus 6, Nexus 8 thing, Replicants technology was outlawed. It's gone. Nobody can, yeah. make, nobody can make Replicants anymore. Uh, and, but then we have Neander Wallace, and this is basically his pitch to try and open up the channels to produce Replicants anymore, because he has a new line that, as he says, my Replicants obey. Oh, yeah, this is all Jared Leto. This is all Jared Leto all the time. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and he's talking to Benedict Wong, which is a strange one because like he's not even in the actual movie. Yeah, his character's not even in there. I was like, oh my god, it's Benedict Wong from Doctor Strange. I'm like, this is really crazy. Yeah, because he's not in the film, so that's why it was one of those things where it was like one of those holy shit yeah, moments, you know? This is my least favorite of the, th- of the three shorts, mostly because I mean Jared Leto's a big part of that, and we'll get to we'll get to him in the actual movie. Um, yeah, but look, babe, like I know things are bad but i don't see anyone signing off on this yeah like, because, because like you keep in mind all he had the other applicant smash a glass cut himself and then ultimately kill himself in front of these people i can't see anybody in this room being like yeah make more of these things yeah because then he he, he wants he wa- he like asks again hey do you uh, are you guys willing to authorize the production of replicants it's like well you just like you just massacred one in front of us like what you know what i mean like yeah doesn't make much sense, but okay, sure, we'll go with it. I mean, whatever he did, it works because <laughs> replicant replicant uh, production was back online with Wallace Corporation leading the leading the charge. Yep. Uh, leading to our last short, which is the most most place most cl- most closely to the actual movie, is this twenty forty eight nowhere to run, and this one follows. I might like this one a little bit more just because I I, 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 I was wondering about Batista's character, so this really helped I like this tie that more in. Than, uh, 2036. But yeah, this basically start. This is about uh, Stephen Warren, played by Dave Batista. It's his day to day life. We see what he does, but we see the event that gets him outed. So he has this um, this relationship with a human girl and, and her mom. He sees him getting harassed, uh, and then he steps in, and he is a replicant. So like he's 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 way, he's way stronger. He's way faster. Beats the shit out of all of these people. <laughs> Yeah, normal Batista. You you don't need to be a replicant. Yeah, you know, uh, if you're just Batista, you're yeah, gonna do that. How, how much are the replicant genes really helping here? I mean, it's yeah. I think the replicant genes are actually hiding under the fact that he is Batista. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Batista could have just done this by himself. Yeah. But yeah, he yeah he gets outed, and the show basically ends with if uh, somebody oh he gets outed, he drops his papers. And that's he drops his papers, yeah. Which somebody, I mean, somebody drops a dime on him. Yeah, and then they end up calling and phoning in the LAPD, saying that he thinks that they found a uh, rogue skin job, 
which is obviously a code word for a uh, replicant. So that's obviously kind of ties into obviously Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, I think I think the length of the uh, blackouts and makes gives more meaning to the story. It makes me like that one more. But if I had to judge, uh, you know, if, if it was just another short, we had yeah. like just these two. I I really did like this one because also just shows the range of Batista. Oh, no, and that's why I like this one, I think, the most, is because it's kind of unfair comparing it to something that's like 15 minutes, because it's going to give you more meat. Um, but obviously between, I think Nexus Dawn is probably obviously my, my least favorite, the 2036. Um, but 2048, Nowhere to Run, I think Batista's story, like finding out about him, like he is like really kind of a good person. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was I, I wanted to know a little bit more about Sapper Morton, so I was kind of glad to, to know a little bit more about him. So yeah, now that all that work is done. We now are finally prepped and ready to discuss Blade Runner 2049. So yeah, we get the we get the whole spiel. Uh, you know, replicants are 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 enhanced versions of human beings. They're used for slave labor, and we basically get like an outline of everything that happened. You know, Neander Wallace stepped in in the you know, ecosystem collapsed in the late 2020s. Wallace, Com- Wallace Corporation stepped in. They used that goodwill to reopen replicant production, uh, and Nexus Eights are still being hunted. People who hunt mm-hmm. them. Still called Blade Runners. Uh, this open and this opens again. L.A. twenty forty nine, and right off the bat, you see just just the look. You're captured by the look of this film. Oh, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, when it unfolds, I mean, just the whole the colors, just the the sharpness of everything. It's very it's it's a it's a vividly rich environment that Denny puts us in. Yeah, I want to touch on this right now. This uh, to me is Denny is Denny's best looking movie. Oh, and I'm not going to argue with you. I, I would say this then with a rival right behind it, um, right. but I would I would absolutely say this one for sure. Just like just the just the sweeping landscapes, the production design, the effects. Yeah. I mean, it's all natural. It, it feels so natural and effortless when you're looking at it. You think it's literally real. It's like a postcard coming to life. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I will uh, I will give you that for sure. I think it is the best looking out of his films for sure. And the cinematography is so incredible. This. This is the movie that finally gave cinematographer Roger Deakins his first Academy Award. Which it's sad that he didn't win one earlier because he's just he's he's a master of his craft. You know what I mean? One of the greatest of all time. It sucked it took him this long, but he finally he finally got one. He got two in a row because he won he won again two years later. Yeah, for what nineteen seventeen, right? Yeah, seventeen seventeen. Of course, yeah, yeah. I can do a whole movie one shot and not win best cinematography. Oh, I mean, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, no, this is. And yeah, you can clearly see why. And it wasn't. This doesn't feel like a legacy Oscar because you listen. You look at this movie and like, yeah, no, the shot composition and just like the way the movie looks is just so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, we meet our main character K, who was going to see as the aforementioned Sapper Morton played by Batista. Uh, K K is the new head Blade Runner brought in to take take down Sapper Morton, which um, <laughs> you sure you don't want to be backup. Yeah, yeah, because I'm pretty sure uh, Batista in a uh, regular fight would beat the shit out of Ryan Gosling, just saying. That's when you just first look at him. And what I love about this conversation is the fact that, like, it's it's quiet. Like, he's kind of there, he's just, just, like, they're they're sizing each other up. And you can tell, like, he he hasn't wanted to come to violence, but Sapper's kind of pushing it that way. (laughs) We see a fight that Ryan Gosling is surprisingly in. Yeah, which I mean, it shouldn't even be relatively a fight because obviously we but, said you know you, you see the two people you know but, you see Gosling and Batista side by side. There's no way that this fight's going to be as interesting as it is in the film. But you see the reason why this is as even as it is. It's because yeah. K is a blade. K is well, he is blade. K is a replicant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And not only that, he is a replicant from the new, from the Wallace line of replicants. Yeah, so he's he's new school. Yeah, and like I, and you can derive so much symbolism from a replicant. Basically, like I said, he's a replicant hunting his own kind. Yeah, like you can derive so much from that. And this is basically this is this is a role that Ryan Gosling kind of form fits, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. I mean, he's a he's a stoic. Mostly emotionless robot who is a stoic, most, mostly emotionless robot who commands a lot of presence when he walks into a room. Yeah, it's Ryan Gosling. He can do that in his sleep. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, but yeah, no. He Ryan Gosling is fantastic. So I think we talked about it in Prisoners. He, he initially auditioned for uh, the role of Loki in Prisoners. He obviously, obviously didn't get it. But as a result, he did get introduced to Villeneuve, and the character of K was written with him in mind. And I don't think anybody else could have played K like he played him. So I think it was a good choice. It was a good choice. I don't think he that got the prisoner's role, but instead got uh, K in Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, so uh, he beats Morton, ident- identifies him, and then Morton's just like, you know, like, you and your mother are fine like, doing all the dirty work because you've never seen a miracle. You're like, what does he mean? What does he mean by that? Doesn't matter. He gets, he gets axed off like right there. I just also just love like the giant thud you hear off screen. Yeah, it's like, well, okay. It's like, shit, like, like, shit, like about to knock the house down. <laughs> uh, so he, he finishes the job, but he sees that something's not quite right here. He's, there's something, he goes to a tree that has flowers laid on it, and there's something buried underneath. Yeah, because he has uh, the uh, scanners or whatever scan like six or seven feet below or something like that, I think. I think it's, I think it's, a couple of, I think it's like 30 feet. It's, it's pretty deep. Oh, was it? Oh, was it deep? Okay. Okay, then it was it was super deep, but they end up finding a uh, like a chest or a box. Yeah. He reports back to HQ, and that's where we got our first look at the new Los Angeles. And what I love about this, like the look of this, the design of this one, was the fact that it doesn't feel out of place. What I mean is like it could have been so easy to make mm-hmm. this world like so much like super advanced and it's got everything like more, more efficient yeah it just feels like the world from really scott's blade runner just 30 years later yeah it was like cut and paste for sure exactly i mean there's there's enhancements made sure but it does feel like you're in the same location there's there's, there's no disconnect there which i like no no it feels consistent yeah yeah so uh he go he goes back to the apartments we see that he's maybe married because he's talking to somebody in his apartment but you don't yeah, see so you think it's like, oh, it's his wife, his girlfriend? Yeah. But then we see he's talking to a hologram. This is Joy, played by Ana de Armas. Oh, Joy. Oh, Joy. <laughs> Literally Joy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is his wife, in a sense. She's not, she's not real. She's not technical. She's not a replicant. But it's, yeah. it's kind of like, it's, it's like Scarlett Johansson is, in her had a body. Yeah, like it's basically like yeah, asking if Alexa was human, you know. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing: like, even though knowing that she's not real, they do they, the two of them do have chemistry. Oh, you can tell for sure, absolutely. They you can tell that the two care about one another. Yeah, there's 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 a whole, there's, a whole, there's an interesting aspect of this relationship: the fact that neither of them are technically actually human. Yeah. But, the fa- but they're not, they're not neither a human, but the fact that like the relationship feels so genuine and feels so real, I think yeah. really the quality to, like the caliber of these two actors. Like I love the scene where he gets her an emanator, which basically allows her to go uh, to just walk around wherever she's not confined to the apartment anymore. She can go with him wherever wherever she wants, and just when they go out in the rain, and 
she can you know she can't feel it but you she can feel it yeah yeah it, it, it takes her uh, instead of being a prisoner in that apartment room or whatever she can actually go out and experience life yeah and it also has like a lot of moments that are like surprisingly funny like i love the bit where they're about to kiss and then she freezes because she's because he's getting a message yeah, like you're getting a phone call or a message or something like that. It's like, really? You wait till now to get it? It, it is kind of funny, though. <laughs> he just leaves her frozen there. Yeah, he just, like, he's like, he just shuts it off. He's like, whatever. But yeah, so uh, he gets called by Joshi, who's his boss. He's like, you need to get back here right now. So the thing that was yeah. under the tree was a box, was a box of bones. Uh-huh. Revealed by the doctor, by David Dasmalkian, and another cop played by Wood Harris. Surprising cast, this movie. Yeah, got a lot of like, great actors, and, like and just everywhere. Now we see that this was a woman who, uh, when she was, we don't know who this was, but she was a woman, and she was pr- and she was pregnant, and she had the baby. She died. Mm-hmm. That says she died during childbirth. But the important thing yeah. about this is, whoever this was, she was a replicant. Yeah, because on the Iliac crest, I believe you could see a, a serial a number. Serial number, which is a heart, which is a weird yeah. place to hide that. Uh, I mean, but I mean, it's it's smart if you're trying to hide it because I mean, she had been down there for thirty years. It said so. Obviously, I mean, but still, I mean, if you're gonna hide it, I think the Iliac Crest. I mean, it's something random. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, like, what what are the odds someone's gonna look here? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's super super rare. Yeah, yeah. To which Josh is just like, yeah, this cannot get out anywhere because yeah, it's probably gonna be probably gonna be bad news if this does if this does get out to the public. Yeah. So so what they need to do now is basically find out is find out who this was. So he goes to Walls Corporation and the reason they can, and again like like we saw on the shorts the reason they can't identify this body is because this is a replicant from the pre-blackout days which yeah. a lot of records were wiped out. A lot of the records were wiped out so obviously there's obviously no trace. We also meet another major character in this scene Love played by Sylvia Hex who is Neander Wallace's personal replicant. Uh She's the one who helps me identify that this replicant was Rachel from the first film. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is so whoever this child, whoever they are, they are the child of Rick Deckard and Rachel. Uh, we get another, we get a cameo from the first. So now the the quest for this film is now trying to find find the child and find Deckard. That's that's yeah. what what Kay's goals are right now. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes to talk to the only other returning cast member from the, from the first film, Gaff, played by Edward James Olmos, who's only in it for the one scene, but I love Edward James Olmos so much that he just... It's, it's, it's so nice to see that character again. Yeah. And it's, and it's hearing him talk about uh, Deckard. Like, it, you, you sense that reverence, you sense that, you know, that respect, just like that, you know, that, that longing for days past, where, you know, because like, he, he's, he's old now, but... You know, you understand that the relationship was more than the eye. I think he, I think he was really an underrated element in the first film, and he's fantastic here. Yeah, and then obviously Kay just goes to him and asks him, kind of trying to figure out where Decker really, where he could be, because obviously he's completely off the grid. So it, it is a nice scene, though, to kind of connect the uh, Ridley Scott film to this one. Yeah, we also get introduced to our, I guess, our main villain of the film, Neander Wallace, played by Jared Leto. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's talk about this real quick. Why? Because we talk about our disdain for this guy in a lot of episodes. Let's talk about why do we not like this dude? 
Love the eyes, just the monotone voice, man. It's just the very vanilla personality, I, I think, think. I think the problem with him is he, he doesn't feel like he's in the same movies as everybody else. No, it's like he's like he's cameoing in a movie he, that he shouldn't be in, yeah. He feels a little too alien in this in this role. And in a yeah, lot of like roles, actually. More sophisticated than, than yeah. It, he, he comes across as someone who's trying too hard to get noticed. And that comes across in both... This on screen and offset because I think I think the story came out when this is about to come out. Like he wore like opaque contacts to like be like really blind. It's like okay, fuck off. No, fuck off. I mean, it's yeah, it, it is it is kind of silly. I, I do think his eyes are pretty cool in the film. That is cool. Um, I, I just I think, like think I, I just yeah. think that yeah, kind of what you said. It's just kind of like he is just he is just uh, not. Yeah, he's just too too much for the he's for the a, film. He's an atten- he's an attention seeker. That's why that's why I don't like. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing about this is it, he wasn't even the first choice. You know who they wanted for this role? Who's that? David Bowie. Oh, see, I think Bowie would have been. Yeah, Bowie Bowie's, would have been pretty good. Bowie would have crushed it in this role. The only reason he's not in it because he died before shooting started. But yeah, so I mean, he would have been a perfect choice for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we find out that he like he wants to find this child and he wants him alive. It's because like the, the the implications of what he can do with the of the, rep, of the replicant child or a replicant created a natural replicant it's it's too it's too much to pass up so yeah I want this kid alive. Uh, we then we then go to again we see some more of the city, which is real which is really interesting to look at. We meet uh, what's the name of Mackenzie Davis's character? Mackenzie Davis's character. Uh, you're talking about do-do-do-do-do. Uh, Oh, uh, Lord. I forget her name. Mar- Mary, Mariette. Mariette. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Who is a replicant hiding in plain sight because she's called out by Kay. Kay doesn't do anything about it. He's just like, yeah, you know, I'm off the clock. I'm not going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, he then goes back to Saturn Morton's house to try and get more details about what's going on. Uh, he finds a bo- he finds a box in the in the piano with some, de- with some details on it, including a, including a photo. And he goes to the tree and sees something very important. He sees a date yeah. on the tree, and that harkens back to childhood, some childhood memories he had. Just like, wait, but what's 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 going on here? Uh, we see yeah, thing. obviously the the date is pretty important. Yeah, we don't know why yet, but so, so there's something with that date. We also see that uh, the, the ruthlessness. Love, I think, is someone who doesn't get enough credit. Sylvia Hexes Love doesn't get enough credit because she is. Terrifying, and she becomes more terrifying. Oh, she's than, ruthless, yeah, for sure. Like when, like when she kills the the duck, when she kills Deus Malchus' character without the pace of even blinking. Like, yeah, she, I mean, she's so very, she's very heartless. She is. Yeah. Uh, I also do, uh, yeah, uh, and just, like I remember the visual of like where like he's just like, gasping for air because like he hits him in the back of the neck and his neck's cracking. He's replicas, which is super strong, so his neck like cracks. On impact. Yeah, he's like he's like gurgling blood and stuff like that. Yeah, he got bloodshot eyes. Like it's 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 a crazy visual. Uh, yeah, for jo- sure. Then Josh he goes to see Kane at his apartment. Basically says like, yeah, uh, you realize like this could this information could start a war. Yeah. Because she know she knows he's withholding information. And but there's a, a good reason why. Yeah, and that's where we find out that the memory he's he's remember the memory he's thinking about when he saw the date was when. Some when he was you know in an orphanage, some boy was chasing for a, for a a, uh, a wooden horse, and it was yeah. the only thing he ever had. It was, it was the only thing that the memory says he had. 
Yeah. And so like he he hasn't given it to him. He gets beaten up, but he, does, he hasn't given it to him. No, he hides it. Yeah. Which is important. So he go he goes then to look at through the records of DNA because he the, the suspicion now is that he is the child that could end up destroying society. Which and that's what you think, though. Like, even I, I remember even when I was watching, it, I was like, oh, I thought, you know what I mean? There was a possibility. Yeah, so he ends up getting some uh, DNA. Turns out that it turns out it ma- DNA from the, re- from the records that lead into the orphanage where, where he thinks he grew up. Because, again, replicants yeah. don't have real memories. They're all implants from somewhere else. Yeah. So he, yeah. he goes in, and he's maybe my favorite side character of the entire movie, Lenny James, as this, as the guy, as Mr. Cotton, the guy who's uh, heading up the orphanage. Like, Lenny yeah. James, he has two actors, the, the, you know, the sophisticated black British person, or that, that one black dude who just talks like a runaway slave. It's like, ha, ah, ah, ha, everybody, <laughs> I just come here today to eat pancakes with everyone. <laughs> It's like, God, no, this ain't, the, ain't that serious. I guess. Even the point where he's talking, like, Ryan Gosling looks at him where he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But even though he's not in the movie much, but he does leave an impression. Yeah, for sure. Which, which, which is what I like about him. Um, uh, thing is, though, the record he's looking for, surprisingly, in a... What a coincidence. The entire year... Uh, what are the odds that they were ripped out? <laughs> the entire year he wants has been ripped out. So, again... I don't buy that. I, I don't know. Why Why that year, out of all the years? Why that year? <laughs> could, it, could it be Jeez. because of someone who's there who's not supposed to be? Who knows? Man, what a coincidence. What a coinky-dink. <laughs> uh... I also do like, and then we didn't mention this, but we see that. Uh, I like I like the br- the brain behind it because like she's willing to let Kay go in and investigate all this stuff, and just like just like let him do the dirty work. Yeah, pretty much. Like, like she, she she's, ne- she's never lost she's never lost track of him. She's all she's always got her eye on him, and you always feel that like I always feel that sensation of somebody breathing down your neck throughout the, throughout this whole thing. Yeah, and it's, and it's usually love. Like this, my this my game, and I play. Usually, yeah. Yeah. So, but what he does find though is way more valuable than anything he found in that book. He finds the horse in the position he remembered leaving it. So, leads you to believe that whatever he's thinking is real. And you know what? Yeah. Can, you so know? this obviously gets him. Yeah. And the same date that was on the tree is carving the bottom of this horse. I mean, that's not a coincidence, is it? And you know, what I love, you know, what I love about Kay. I love that Kay is thorough <laughs> because we yeah. literally, he's a thorough detective because we see every single step he takes in, the, in this yeah. case. Kind of adds the runtime, but <laughs> we, we got to show every, every aspect of his detective work, every single one. Yes, this guy is thorough. Because that would have been enough to, to like, oh, his memory is real. No, 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 not, not for Kay, not Kay. He goes to the place where memories of replicants are made. Uh, yeah. Meets the woman in charge just to see, like, hey, you know, just tell me if this is a, a real memory or a false one. Turns yeah. out it is real. And we get to see the most emotion Kay shows throughout the entire movie. Yeah, when he's, like, screaming or whatever. Like, God damn it! Ryan Gosling really yeah. does have a great scream. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, super, uh, super convincing scream. You, I mean, you could feel it, though. You know what I mean? It, it's an earned scream. It's an earned scream. And we, and I don't care how high Yeah, it's an earned scream. Despite how high-pitched it is, you still, you still get antsy hearing it. I'll, 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 I'll allow it. Yeah, so, uh, he's like, yeah, you know what? I need to get the fuck out of Dodge. But first of which, yeah. but before, before I do any of that, <laughs> I gotta do this, I gotta do this one thing. And that is yeah. uh, my holographic girlfriend hired a prostitute, and I yeah, just, and, and yeah. basically brought her in to kind of simulate touch because like that's the one thing he that's what he can Joy can do a lot of things for for Kay, but she can't touch him. <laughs> yeah, something I do. So love about, what better way than bringing a prostitute? You know? Yeah, something I do love about Joy just the, just the design of her, the fact that she, like she feels other like Anonymous on is clearly on set the entire time but they do alter her so that you can see like they're you look hard and you can see through her it's like it's like when they highlight the puck in nhl back when they used to do it you could see the difference between the two the puck and then obviously the hologram around the puck yeah. kind of like that i could use that as a comparison i guess but yeah you can see there's they're like even with the hands you can see you know on a day armis's hands and you can see the other girls in the prostitute's hands so you and like you, you can see the separation between the two characters which i do like yeah when they're saying like you can see the separation but there are time where it looks like it looks like uh, yeah, there'll be times where it looks like Mackenzie Davis. Every time it looks like Ana de Armas, and there are times where it looks like a yeah. version of both. I think it's a very visually impressive scene. Yeah, so it's like, who did he sleep with? You know, <laughs> like how do you, how do you credit that? How do you notch that on your belt? What do you do with that? You know, like what, like what, like what did what did I just do? Yeah, it's like, um, is that one and a half? Like, uh, how how did how how do we count that? You know? Yeah. So he so he decided that he needs to he needs to go find Decker. Which entails some mm-hmm. first clearing his apartment, and that entails some uh, deleting Joy from the from the mainframe. He's tra- he's transfer her to the to the emanator, but if anything happens to that emanator, she's gone. Like no getting her back. Yeah. Which I yeah. which I think does a great job of just like adding adding some stakes for the rest of the movie. For sure. Uh, he goes to see a. Uh, You'll see a guy played by Barkat Abdi, who I was so happy to see him. I, I like I love that guy, Captain Phillips. I like to see him sing in movies. Uh, huh. Direct Look at me. I'm I'm the captain. Look at me. Look at me. I end up there. I end up there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's so unmistakable. You know who that dude is. You know he, that's a dude from Captain Phillips. Yeah, it is. It's the guy. It's the guy who is the guy who's Oscar. Jared Leto still. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so he goes away, and Love is like, you know what? Fuck all of this. Where, like, I need, where is Kay? And Joshy doesn't know, so she's, so she's just like, you know, what? I'm, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna tell you shot first, and then just stabs her to death. Yeah. So basically, she like kind of like you know, in co- like um, uh, defended herself when really she obviously didn't. Yeah. I also do like after he killed her, she needs her for facial recognition. She just like so casually picks her up and just drops her. You hear that head gun conk on the uh, on the desk. Ruthless, man. <laughs> and just fall back she's, over. She's, like, she's savage, man. She is so savage. But she ends up getting so Kay's location off of this. And I love like the, the build-up for this scene because like it's all like dusted and this where the place where he goes all dusted and orange. It's this smog yeah. everywhere. It, it's the, it's it, apparently apparently it's like supposed to be Vegas, I guess. Yeah. But it, fe- it feels so alien that you feel like it, it, I, I think that's why it's a great contrast to the regular Los Angeles. 
and that's where we get it. Like near, like we get we get to see him. It's the man, Rick Deckard, played by Harrison Ford. And you want to know the the, the, the strength of this film, in my opinion? What's we go, that? We go nearly two hours before he shows up. Yeah. Hour and 45.52 is Rick Deckard's first cameo and uh, first appearance in Blade Runner 2049. But I think, but I think that, that goes to the strength of the film because it shows that the movie is strong. It didn't need him. No, but obviously he was a key component of it. But now that we have him now, the last yeah. hour, 45 minutes, hour-ish, will we'll, we'll go by quickly now. It's, it's, it's like... It's like Luke Skywalker in The Force Awakens. Like he's not there. Louis strong enough on its own without him, but you always feel his presence throughout the entire thing. Because you know the character. I mean, you knew. You know, even you know, you know who Rick Deckard is. You know, what I mean, obviously you're you're watching this when you obviously know the you know from the first Blade Runner. But his he's just so synonymous with Blade Runner. You know his presence. Like how you said, his presence is still there, whether or not he's physically there or not. Yeah, and it does go to serve one of the uh, greater questions posed in the first film is whether or not Deckard is a replicant. And while like which is a time and time again, yeah. yeah which, 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 you know, nobody can seem to agree on an answer. Because you know, Ridley Scott says he is, Harrison Ford says he isn't, the writer of the film says he isn't. Uh, fan, fans can't seem to come to an agreement. There's a lot of things that suggest he is, a lot of things that suggest he isn't. Yeah. Now, a lot of people point to this and say, like, oh, you see, he survived, he survived 30 years. He clearly can't be a replicant. The, yeah. thing, the thing is, though, yeah. he can, because he if he was if he is a replicant, he's not a Nexus Six, he's an Eight. Yeah. So like he, he very well could be, but what I like about this movie, about twenty forty nine is that they don't they don't give a definitive answer. They never answer. They leave it for you to kind of interpret what you whether or not you think he is or he isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I I think that's I could have been such an easy thing to establish, but the fact that they don't, I think, is I, I think is incredibly commendable. Well, it adds more mystique to the film. It that's does. what you want. You know what I mean? It adds more ambiguity. It makes makes it more thought provoking. I think that I think it was a really genius move just to not reveal that answer. For sure. Now you could you could infer that he probably is because he takes on Gosling in a fight and isn't isn't dead. <laughs> or, or like saying that uh, what the uh, that Ray is father's or what. Emperor or the grandfather's emperor? How was that storyline? Oh, was, uh, was Ray? You know, Palpatine. Ray. Yeah, I was like, I mean, that's that's way worse. That's way worse. That's way worse. Being for that, for oh, absolutely, man, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we find so we find out that uh, Deckard never saw his kid. The whole thing was like they, like they realized she was pregnant, and they both just like went their separate ways because they they don't want to attract his attention. They they be, they were being hunted. He, he needed to disappear. I love the line he had where it's like sometimes loving someone is being a stranger. Yeah. I was like, and Harrison Ford, he is so, despite, despite the fact that he hasn't come in for the last, the last hour, he's still so great in this film. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, he picks up right where he left off. I he mean, really you, could, you, you totally, yeah, for sure. You, you feel, and you can, t- you can tell, like, this is, I mean, there's a lot of movies in, in like the early 2010s where, like, Harrison Ford just there to pick up to cash a paycheck. This you can tell. Yeah. This, this like like this in like Force Awakens. This is something he wanted to do. Oh yeah, for sure. You could definitely see that the uh, the efforts there, uh, just just his acting in the film. You could tell the guy wants to be there. So yeah. Yeah. He he and he's also like it feels like and in, in like, uh, kind of like the world in general. This feels that doesn't feel like a new character. It feels like an extension of what we saw what we saw in the past. Yeah. And I do appreciate that. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Love ends up finding them. Uh, we get a pretty sol- we get to see Kay kick some pretty solid ass. Uh, 
until Love shows up, and then all bets are off. K gets his ass, K gets his ass kicked. Uh, but then the the like, Love kills a lot of people in this movie. The coolest yeah, she thing she does is this scene right here, where because K's emanator falls out of his pocket, Joy comes out, and then she just steps on it. Yeah, and he and Kay's so close to getting it too. He's like, it's like right almost at his fingertips, and then she kind of like just smashes it. But the fact that the fact that the cruelest death, most most cruelest, most visceral death, and the one that hits maybe hits you the hardest at the entire movie, is to somebody who isn't even like a tangible person. And I think that's just because Joy's character was so well written. I think you know just her presence in the film, you know what I mean? That believability you have between Kay and her have like that relationship. You really can feel it. It, it is palpable. All, although she's not palpable, you know what I mean? Yeah, she's, she's not, but, and you, you feel Kay, you, you feel Kay's loss in this scene because like at this point he has, yeah. you know, he practically has nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So love, got what she, love has what she wants. Uh, she's got Deckard and she's going back. She's going back to Wallace Corp. Meanwhile, Kay's there, and he gets picked up by another band of replicants. Who marry, who, the one who Marion works, works for. Uh, yep. Le, uh, led by, I think it's like Freya, I think is her name? Uh, Fre- Freysa, yeah. Freysa. Freysa, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so she was she was on the inner circle with the whole Rachel child thing. Her and Stafford Morton, who helped deliver the child. Uh which is why Sapper Morton let Kay kill him because you know there was a there was a chance that he might have spilled the beans and she, they, they didn't want to do that, and the reason is because now that they can procreate now that they can have their own kids now that they can create each other, they have to be viewed as actual citizens. Like, like, like they're they're not things. They're not like pe- they're not used for labor anymore. Like they are people, and you have to acknowledge yeah. that they're people. Which is why this child is so important. Uh, <laughs> and so. Freya does thing I didn't expect. Like she, she asked Kay not to to find Deckard, not save him. She asked him to kill Deckard, which is completely out of left field. You wouldn't expect that, you know. But it shows the devotion to the cause, and I think like the line where it's this dying for something worth worth fighting for is the most human thing you yeah. can do. We yeah. Also, we also get another bombshell reveal, and it's it's done so nonchalantly, where it's like, yeah. Like yeah, I, 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 saw I saw Rachel give birth to her. She's like, wait, her? Yeah. Yeah. So it turns yeah. out uh, Rachel, uh, Rachel and Deckard had a girl, not a yeah, boy. So cat. Because whereas the whole time you kind of think Kay is the son, you know what I mean? Like I remember watching it thinking, oh, Ryan Gosling's the son, you know what I mean? But then you find out the plot twist, it's a her. Then you're like, wait a minute, now who can it be? Like yeah. all bets are off on that and now. They, and they and they show like you know we saw that there was a whole. Uh, uh, DNA registry about a boy and a girl with the same DNA, but the girl died, the boy didn't. And the reason is, yeah. is because the girl was disguised as a boy. Uh, her de- her her death was faked, and the reason yeah. and the reason he's remembering like it, and the the visual I've seen it on a second viewing, it's it's a little more obvious the second time around. But the yeah. memory artist says like an artist always puts a little bit of her of the of themselves into their work, and when she starts crying on that on yeah. uh, Seeing that the fact that the memory that Kay is talking about is real, as when you that's when it's real that the memory maker is Deckard's kid. Yeah, which was a wild, which was a wild twist to see the first time in theaters. 
Oh, I remember being so confused, and it's actually nice, kind of what you said, watching it again and seeing it, like you know, taking notes. And as I'm watching, it's more thorough, it's more concise. You know what I mean? I, I get it more. Yes, like, and, and the whole reason is because he's implanted with her memories. That that's why he's so connected to this case. So it makes sense, and, and she knows that if she put her memories inside him, that she will bring back obviously her dad. So I mean, it just makes sense. Like, you totally you, you totally understand it uh, a second time watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and just like, you know, like, what are, what are the odds of this coming back to bite me in the ass one day? <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. God, I hope God, I hope he finds my dad. <laughs> we then get a meeting that I would have loved to see the first uh, the interaction of off screen because, like, wow, like, you, you see, there's like, wow, this, this movie's really great. And like, oh, no, we got to annoy you. Yeah. For, we got we to annoy you for a bit. No, please, no, stop. No, 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 no. This is important. We got to annoy you for a bit. Enter Jared Leto again. Ugh. I would love to see this meeting off screen where like he comes in doing his like fake stupid fake blindness thing here before he's like Ugh. Yeah. Poser. The hell do you want? <laughs> this this, remind, this really, like reminds me. It's absurd that Jared Leto's the only person on this cast to have an Oscar. Yeah, and I was thinking about that actually as I was watching. I'm like, yeah, uh Harrison Ford doesn't have an Oscar. It's completely isn't that a shame? That's craziness. Yeah, there's Gosling. Gosling was the best actor working right now. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, but he's gonna have time. I mean, Harrison yeah. Ford—he doesn't probably, got much left in the tank. Yeah, no, he's, he's, probably, he's probably never gonna get one, which sucks. Harrison Ford's and it, and it's sad, and it's sad because even like even like the Fugitive, you like even though Tommy Lee Jones was fantastic in it, you know Harrison Ford was just as good. Yeah, kind of crazy, super crazy. But yeah, we see them confront. Yeah, we see them basically Neander the while trying to just like, discern information from him. And it's like you know you tell me, you tell me where this kid is, even though he even though he doesn't know that Decker doesn't know where where the kid is. He's still trying yeah. to get it from me. He's just like, you know what? You do this for me. I can give you anything you want. And we see maybe the most stunning, effect, stunning effect in the entire film. You, yeah, uh, we hear the Rachel audio. We hear the old audio to the Rachel in their interviews, and then we see someone walking in with the shape of Rachel. We get a zoom in. Yeah, it's a facial recreation of a young Sean Young. And th- watching so again, this pretty is, much, yeah, cloned her. This is the greatest use of this kind of technology I've seen in the movie. Oh, for sure, yeah, because it's like it's, dude, it's her. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I, yeah. I, I think every effect in this film is flawless. I don't think there's a weak effect. No, in the it's. Bunch. I mean, it, no, I, I mean, I'll agree for sure. I don't, I don't think there's a weak effect in the bunch, and seeing this just reiterate, just reaffirms that for me. Just like the fact that because this we've, we've seen this is the thing that is so easy to fuck up. Oh, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, look, look at the films that you know that we've talked about in the past before. Like even uh, what did Star Wars did it too? I think Star Wars did it with um, Tarkin. Uh, uh, Tarkin. Yeah, Tar- which, Tarkin. Which, which, which people didn't jive yeah. with. Understandable. But I, the Irish, I, the, Ir- the Irishman. Irishman. Uh, is, is a big de- one. De-aging. It, it didn't look too too good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of de-aging in a lot of movies that just doesn't work out very well. But seeing yeah. this. Just like the, I, I know she's not on screen very long, probably helps, but just, just the, the detail. Like, like, I maybe it's just me, but I, I, the uncanny valley doesn't, doesn't set in. It doesn't set in for me for this one. Like, no, it's crisp. I mean, it for sure is crisp. It's crisp. It's clean. Like that is young Sean Young. Yeah. And well, and he's just like, her eyes were green, and again, this nonchalantly just shoot her in the head. Dude, love is like I said. She's completely ruthless. She does not have a heart. She has no, uh, you know, she just has no no heart at all. She's she's completely ruthless of a character. But she's such a badass character that she's so hateable. You know, you just hate hate her guts in this film. 
Yeah, that one visually stunning scene to another. Uh, Giles, uh, Kay is basically just thinking like, you know, what does what does he do? Does he kill Deckard? Does he does he go out? Does he save him? He's in a, he's in a moral dilemma, but he's thinking about the past few days of, and you know what it means to really be him. You know, and again, a quote like, dying for something you believe in is the most human thing you can do. And he decides to go for it. Decides to go and rescue Deckard by nearly killing him. <laughs> uh, it's 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 raining, of course, because of course it is. That's what happens in the world of Blade Runner. And they have oh a, yeah, they always have, raining. Yeah, they have a big fight with. He has a big fight with Love in the rain. The fact the fact that it's raining and it's in the middle of the night, and you can still tell what's happening. Again, a plus, a yeah. plus direction work from 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 Denny. Yeah. Uh, he ultimately kills Love, who just even when she's dying, she's trying, she's trying to swoop up smash. It's like I'll get you, Mitch. Oh, dude, yeah, it's it's. She- Crazy. Never, I've never seen someone so opposed to drowning, but uh, he, he he kills Love, gets Deckard out of the car, takes him, takes a few knife wounds on the way, but he ends up saving Deckard. And he's just like, "You should have, you should have killed, should have killed me." He's like, "I did. You died. You died in that crash. There's no, there's no one that says you can't. There's no one that says you didn't." And yeah. So pretty much gonna make him off off the grid or whatever, make his character off the grid. Yeah. The movie ends with. Dead. with with Kay then taking Deckard to the place where his daughter works. Uh, T- K- uh, Deckard goes inside uh, to see her for the first time while Kay lays on the steps watching the snow fall. That ba- painting a very similar parallel to the Tears and Rain scene from the original Blade Runner. And, yeah, the movie after that just ends. And that was Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Uh, mo- movie was a massive critical hit, but... It didn't really capture much like the first Blade Runner. Didn't capture the audience dollars. I mean, on a budget of roughly 150 to 185, only managed to make 259 at the worldwide box office. So yeah, didn't do well. Didn't do well at all. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people who did watch it say that it's a shame more people didn't see it. But Russell, uh, how do you feel about Blade Runner 2049? What, what are your final thoughts on this film? You know what? Revisiting it, I definitely have a new appreciation for it. Um, I didn't really care. I was like, eh, in the middle, I think, when I first saw it, just because I just, there was so much being thrown out at me that I wasn't able to follow. But now that I actually, you know, took the time, watched those three little shorts, as we recapped, obviously, the first Blade Runner, and then going into this one, it's like, I kind of understand it a lot more. Um, and, and I do, and I do think it is, is one of his best shot films. Um, and I did enjoy it. The runtime does kind of get you a little bit. There are some scenes where it's kind of like, eh, can we just like get this moving? But, uh, for all in all, I, I do think it's a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good film, and I think you know, Ryan Gosling does a great job. I don't think anybody else really could have uh, been in the role of K. Um, and and I, I, I just, I, you know, he had a good supporting cast with him. Like, even, you know, uh, you know Robin Wright was fantastic. Leto was, I mean, Leto was Leto. Um, I just think his character, kind of what we said, was just kind of like in a different film. You know what I mean? In a more technological savvy film. Um, but overall, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I, I did like this film. Yeah, uh, this is one of the hit movies the year came out. Uh, I don't watch it very often because like, it is very long. It is investment. But every time I do, I find it a, a rewarding experience. And this is no different. I think this film still stands up. Uh, I think it stands toe-to-toe with the first Blade Runner. I still prefer the first one overall. But I do think that this movie is just, just as good. Uh, I think Denise's direction shines really well here. Uh, I think the cast is excellent. And just the fact that it raises is just thought, this is thought-provoking of the original Blade Runner without you know, trying to answer any question, trying to, trying to, sim- trying to simplify, trying to... Yeah. Trying to you know give answers because like you know that's what Sapphire does. It isn't always made up of answers. Always you know, it, a lot of it does pose more questions. 
I think it does that really well. Uh, it's a shame we, we, didn't, we were probably not going to get a third because I would like to see a third because they do introduce the element of you know the replicant uh, human yeah. uprising, which I think would have been inter- really interesting to see in film. But I would probably we're probably never going to see another Blade Runner movie <laughs> ever. Um, but we are getting an anime uh, that takes place between the Blackout and this movie, so I think I think that could be interesting. Um, but yeah, so Russell, that we have completed our Denny deep dive. So I'm going to ask you right now. Because we just watched yeah. all his all his movies in the last like month or so, how would yeah. you rank his movies four to one? Uh, your least favorite to favorite? How would you rank them? Least favorite? I'm gonna go. I bumped up. I thought for sure uh, Blade Runner 2049 was gonna be my least, but I'll bump that up. I'm gonna go four as Sicario. I'm gonna go three Blade Runner 2049. I'm gonna go two Arrival and one Prisoners. Those were my four. Yeah, uh, I. Um, I would say four. My my four off Sicario. I have three uh-huh. is like, my three is my two and three are like neck and neck. It could go either way. I'm sl- yeah. Three slightly leans towards Arrival. I love that movie, but okay. I like uh, I like two above a little, a little bit more. Prisoner's my number two. My number one is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And okay, uh, I kind of figured. I kind of yeah. And final thoughts on Den- on Denis on Denny as a whole because you know we've. Gotten ingrained to a lot of his work, so you know, final thoughts on him as a filmmaker. I mean, he's a fantastic filmmaker. I mean, like all four of these films are fantastic in their own, you know, their own way, and they're so they're so broad, they're so different. You know, obviously, Arrival and kind of Blade Runner twenty forty nine kind of test his hand in a little bit of the uh, the sci fi world, uh, and then you obviously have Prisoners, which is more of your your thriller, your drama. Uh, you have your action, like your pulse pounding action slash thriller with Sicario. I mean, he's tackled everything, and I think you know he has a great eye. Um, he gets he like we've said before in the you know every you know uh, review that we've said you know they've given he given great performances that have been you know unrecognized by the Academy, which is a shame. Um, obviously, Prisoners, I think, being the most uh, well acted film that was you know what I mean that didn't get any Oscar love. Yeah. Um, but no, he's a fantastic filmmaker. The guy has an eye. There's a reason why we're talking about him. There's a reason why people voted on us to talk about him. I mean, the guy is, you know, a fantastic filmmaker, and he's you know only going to sit there and do more and more work. Dune looks fantastic. It's been getting a lot of great buzz. So, uh, looking forward to seeing that and just you know just seeing this guy's uh, career unfold. You know. Yeah. Uh, I I'm confident in saying that I think Denis Villeneuve is going to go down as one of our generation's greatest filmmakers. I think that oh, definitely a visionary for sure. I think yeah. I think I think he's going to I think he's going to be go down as one of the greatest filmmakers, maybe of all time, but definitely of this of this current of of our current time. Like he has a visual yeah. flair. He has the he has the visual flair. He has the uh, eye for direction, but he also he's also able to craft these like really great characters, really interesting stories, as well as like really great personal relationships. Because a lot of directors can't do that. There's a lot of directors who can get get the great visual, get the great visual flair, they do the great spectacle, but fail to capture but they the can't emotional give you. hardships. Yeah. There's a lot of directors who can do great emotional yeah. like the, the really great emotional connections, but can't do the big spectacle. Denis Villeneuve is one of those filmmakers that can do both. They can do both extremely well. Yeah, and I feel yeah like for sure. It's a unique blend. I'm excited to see what... I'm so excited for Dune. I already got my tickets. Going to see it Friday night. Uh, and yeah, I am. I will be wholly excited for anything and everything this guy does next. I, like I said, I think he's going to go down as one of the greats of our time. And that wraps up... No, I completely episode. agree. And that wraps up the episode and Denny month here on Notorious by Chance. So, Russell, I'll get a pl- uh, plug before we head out. 
Yeah, go ahead and uh, like and uh, like and comment on the podcast wherever you guys get your feed at. We need more comments and uh, and likes, which would be fantastic. Five if we're doing great, and you know, any anywhere else there in between. But yeah, you can find us notorious by chance on the Facebook group. That's where we put up polls for you guys. Obviously, we haven't had one in the last month, month and a half ish. But we'll be putting new polls up for you guys to vote on what movies you want us to go ahead and tackle and review. Guys can also find us notorious by chance YouTube channel uh, with a lot of big movies coming. And I'm sure we're going to go ahead and pro- hopefully get blow the dust off of it and finally get back into um, uh, movie reviewing again. But yeah, those are the two places that you can find us. And if I'm at Twitter, Instagram, Chance World underscore 91. I took me to Schmodown where I compete. My uh, New York live show is public right now if you want to go watch that. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, oh, I'm also going to be doing some more, I have some more uh, top fives planned. That's going to be very fun in the coming few weeks. Nice. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it. And uh I know we're uh, part through October, but Scarefest does not stop. It's going to be a modified. It's going to be a shortened version. Uh, we're still going to get at least like two or three episodes in there, so can't wait to do that. And, yeah, it's going to do it for us here. Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.